Hello everyone, I'm back home, so now we've got just the regular nice mic. Welcome to The Jungle, presented by Deserto. It's Degon, it's Monty, it's Dom here to break down the world of playoff League of Legends here across the globe. We had a ton of games that started to matter. We had teams starting to get eliminated, and we crowned our first champion in the major region in the LCK. How you doing, Monty? I'm doing great. I watched all of the League of Legends. All of it. It was a lot of it. <laughs> Dom, How about you, Dom? Dom you, you streamed it all. all it. <laughs> I co-streamed all of it except for LCK, which I don't have co-streaming rights to, but that was easy. I mean, it was just one series and LPL has like a, a week break. So it was supposed to be that LPL was going to do like 12 series in like 14 days. It was just going to be a fucking marathon, but it was actually like six series, week off, and then another six series. So it's not actually that bad. Um, to watch all the League of Legends, so I mean, I pretty much just did what I normally do with uh, LEC and the LCS. LCS and casters watch... disagree with you, by the way. It is too much to watch uh, all League of Legends. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I could understand it from their perspective, you know, but like they work two days a week. It's it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's there. too much. It's too much. But you know, <laughs> they have a real job, unlike me. I'm just a streamer, so I mean, I, like me watching League of Legends, it's what I need to do to keep my dead channel alive. As they say, <laughs> I, I will say though they're at least contacting us. So they there is opportunity for other work. Before they couldn't do other work, and then you had that little uh, middle middle ground. Now, uh, as yeah, as you know, I, I jail broke them, and they just stayed in the jail for some reason. I don't get it, but whatever. Not all of them. No, <laughs> it, it's just a slow slow trot. It's a slow trot out. Uh, as as Captain Flower said, it, it smells like. What is it? It smells like the fans are here. Smells like fans in here. Or yeah, something. it smells like fans are back. I was like, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, oh, League, League of Legends fans smell like shit. I'm just going to put it right out there. Like, have yeah, you ever dude. been? Ooh, yeah. I, I went to Hanover, Germany for the IM World Championships in 2012. And my God, it was <laughs> granted. It was just like the just the, the whole audience just smelled like fucking bo which is crazy because you know i mean normally when you go to like i never felt like i like there was that much of like a bo problem just like in in the world when i when i was like go out to like cl college classes or like movies or whatever it felt like i never really smelt that much bo until you get around fucking gamers and then the bo just comes to like the next level and that is yeah. why i won't be going to houston for the finals i have smelled enough gamer bo in, in my time <laughs> i'm gonna stay in my house and just co-stream as far away from them as possible. Yeah, uh, it, You're there's a the reason dream. why. Doing things alone in your house and still having and still receiving money. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now, Monty. <laughs> as we speak, I'm doing exactly what you're saying. Perfect. I know. God bless. It's the best way to live. There's <laughs> really? a reason why that uh, Old Spice generally has an activation at any of the gaming conventions, whether it's PAX yep. or TwitchCon or whatever. And they, they make MLG, they would hand out deodorant to people. No yep. one used that it. That was actually but, the like... best, by the way, at those old MLGs. The fact that they would just give it away for free did make a significant difference. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I On don't day know two. You guys are On day, yeah, day one it. to day two was a huge improvement. <laughs> I mean, the problem is the people that smell like shit don't really know they smell like shit. And for me, I'm not one of the, the types. Like, I'm not going to confront somebody that they smell like shit. Like, that seems too personal. Like, if I don't know the person, I'm not going to be like, yo, you, like, smell like fucking B.O. Like, I'm never going to do that. So I'll just slowly try to avoid them, take the picture, hover hand it so I don't get any of it on me, and then walk in the other direction. Yeah. I've I've had that happen here in LA with 
uh, an industry person. I was like, oh my God, uh, you're not I know a who it is. I could literally yeah. just say the name. Yeah. I'll yeah. type no, the name. No, 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 no. Yeah, you can I'll type, type the name. <laughs> don't get Tom, said, Tom said he wouldn't do it to a random fan, but he won't even do it to people he knows, apparently. I don't he even really know anybody. He won't out I, yeah. the strangers. He won't out the people he knows. He won't out anybody. Seems like uh, weirdly personal. I just feel like people should know, though. Like, Yes. <laughs> yes, me too. And uh, if you all at home know that you're not stinky and you like some League of Legends content, hit the subscribe button here on the Deserto channel and let us know in the comment that you aren't either aware that you're stinky or aware that you're not stinky. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did I, did I get words. the person right, Digon? You got the person right. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I triple I triple confirm okay. <laughs> it's, it's every time and I just don't understand it it's like I, I just don't get it but okay yeah continue let's get into the show all right let's get into about the people show smell like shit. Uh, well the reason why we said that because fans were back not only in the LCS but over in the LCK for the finals that they had it was the matchup that we've been waiting for no protocols all rosters there but how about that production for the lck finals bringing back multiple members of the 10 years of legacy with within the korean league of legends professional space monty that must have that must have just been like a, a great opening for you i uh, honestly made me tear up like it was a huge part of my life obviously casting those tournaments i cast every single finals between 2012 and 2016 so it's a lot of players that i know personally whose stories i got to tell and it was really deeply personal and i think that should hopefully you know i've said this before set a precedent for riot to stop running arcane ads or dancing kda augmented reality and instead focus on the history and legacy and stories that their leagues have given us which is the most important thing to do at major finals, and it's not advertise your garbage IP. I really hope that we see more of that in the future. It was very meaningful to me to see all of that. And I think this is the reason why people love LCK is because they do an excellent job of celebrating their own history and showing people those stories and showing how deep and rich the lore around the league is, which is exactly the opposite of League of Legends, the game. So they should definitely focus on the stories of esports because the writing for the game is just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, second that one with getting to your head. Again, seeing Caster June come and do that. You know, Coach Song, when he was out here, we, we, we hung out a little bit. He gave me a, a birthday gift for my birthday. He got yeah. me a little, just a charger. And just to see him on the stage and have that kind of personal connection with him and you know, covering Fly while he was out here, it, it was... It was very, very, very cool to see all those faces then come and yeah. be, it, it feel like a like a fraternity, almost like a, a family of like greatness that was there. That guy was super generous. Uh, when I when I competed in OGN, he also uh, gave me the dick in uh, the group stage. So it was really nice. It was really nice to see that guy. <laughs> yeah, when he was on Nodjin Sword competing against him. He's he he's giving everything to everyone. You know, oh, so what, a, you the, what a selfless the, person. The meat sword, as it were. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> It was rough. It was rough. <laughs> what, was yeah, that, there someone? Those, those were interesting times. Yeah. Was, was there someone? Either, either. But Jesus, trying to get out of this. Was there someone missing from that stage, or that you wish you saw from either one of you uh, during that opening ceremony? Before we jump into the games, because it was just so great of an opening ceremony. And if you haven't seen it, go go definitely go watch it. It's like eight minutes. It was it was amazing. I I didn't. I mean, I would have to think really hard on that. I actually don't even know all the players for sure that yeah. were on there because I wasn't like pausing it frame by frame. Maybe I didn't see yeah. Mock Noon. Uh, yeah, I was thinking Mock yeah, Noon. Yeah, Mock Noon wasn't there. 
He was? He, he was wasn't. Not there. He what was not what there. about, like, was Dade there? I'm I not didn't sure see Dade. Oh. Yeah, Mangnoon I mean, Dade, Dade but... was huge, was massively influential. I felt like in the early Korean yeah. League of Legends scene. So that's somebody yeah, who so, I was. So was Mangnoon, uh, <laughs> obviously like top lane, huge top lane icon. I mean, realistically, it's hard to get all people there on a given day, right? I actually think it's amazing they got that many people there as as it was. It was very impressive to me. Yeah, it sure. it it made me think like logistically trying to fly back LCS pros to come and like do his opening ceremony like that and schedule it, plan it seems like very difficult. So the fact that they're able to do that over there was, was and, and get that kind of a feeling was awesome. It was awesome to see. It was awesome to watch awesome to kick things off for a series that uh, uh, mm, wasn't the cleanest, I would say. It was fun. It was a series that I liked. There was a lot of fighting. People making mistakes, people making outplays, but you know, it wasn't the cleanest series here in Monty as T1 eventually took down Genji three to one in that series. Uh, Want to get your opening thoughts here? I, I think it went pretty much as I expected. I expected a three one. I expected Genji to do what they did the, for most of the season, heavily prioritize the dragon, uh, continue with these heavy pushing Karma Ezreal bot lanes that were very contested in the Dom Juan series. Maybe they win a game that way from early Soul. Maybe they win a game from Jovi popping off. It was actually the Jovi popping off that that won them the game, really. Um, I was pretty underwhelmed as a whole with T1, but now we know that they were all had COVID and felt like shit. So that explains some of the, I think, rather strange play that we saw from T1. They flipped Dragon a lot more times than they normally do and didn't have the kind of setups that we've normally seen from them around objectives. I was I was kind of confused by that, but I guess I'm less confused by that at this point in time with that knowledge in hand. Would they have performed better without COVID? Probably to what degree, we don't know, but probably um, I am surprised that four of them felt ill and somehow avoided being tested for COVID on the day of the finals. That seems a little weird. A little suspicious to me. In fact, I'm surprised they weren't tested regardless. Hmm. Hmm. There was a tweet from a Gen G content creator that threw out that theory that was quickly dismissed by uh COO of Gen G, uh, Arnold, uh, who was like, yeah, CEO. Okay. CEO of Gen G and Arnold, uh, who was like, yeah, no, like, that's not cool. It's been dealt with. They deleted it, and we should celebrate a great season by T1 and what we did, which I thought was very diplomatic, but it, it was kind of I'm just saying, right that's a, very all, convenient. I'm, all I'm saying is... Very convenient. It's... I, I, I Let me put it this way. I cannot imagine... Look, I am somebody who has run tournaments... Correct. ...during this pandemic, okay? I cannot imagine not testing the players. That's weird. That's so, weird. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when we looked at the series, I, I, I felt like with, with T1, as you said, it was a little underwhelming from them, but obviously COVID concerns were there. But it, it felt like Gumiyushi was just the, the, the stable player. He was the one who wasn't sick, by the way. Yeah. Oh, was he? Was he? Was he really? Before the other ones had COVID, Gumiyushi okay. did not. <laughs> yeah, Guma was so fun to watch throughout that whole series on the Caitlyn and on the Jinx because those were the only two champions he played out of the four games. Uh, just kind of 
right place, right time, playmaking, whereas it you could feel maybe that Faker was sick, but also had his hands full with Chovy in the mid lane. How did you feel about uh, that matchup there, Adam? Uh, I mean, I think the matchup probably played out as expected. I was really surprised that Genji didn't win some of these games because I feel like there's there's a there's actually a world where Genji 3-0s. Like they had an advantage in game one, and I think that they were just scaling better. Yep. Like the enemy team yep. is playing a Camille Nocturne Rise comp relatively short range into the Orin. And if Genji didn't just get ace of that Baron, if they just like made the normal plays where instead of trying to like steal the Drake from, from Peanut, he actually just gets uh, the the final kill there. They go to Drake the, or they go to Baron instantly from the Drake, just give the Drake. They didn't actually need it at that point anyway. I think that they can actually win that game. I think game one is is really in Genji's favor. I would consider that a throw. And then even in the third game that T1 was super ahead in, as soon as they lost soul point they or like they lost soul, that's like, that is a fucking hard game. That That is a fucking hard game to win at that point. And it felt like Genji... They didn't like they weren't ready to just actually be in that game. Like when they had the 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 advantage for that like small part around Baron, it felt like they didn't like they, they like half assed the fight. It was just it was all over the place where you'd expect them to be like, oh shit, like this is our time to win. Like we actually could win easy. Like if we just play normally, if we play correctly, we have an advantage at this point. I, mean, so I thought that was like really weird. In that fight that you're talking about, Chovy and Lehens were just like not even in the fight. Like the Yumi and LeBlanc were just not yeah. there. They were on yeah. the other side, like in the jungle on the other side of the dragon. But the, the other people, bed. the other people were fighting it as if they were there, which was what was yeah, so strange. It was very weird. It was very weird. So, I mean, overall, I thought that Genji played, um, played a little bit under what I expected. I feel like this was a series that they actually could have won. Um, T1, I wouldn't say that I expected T1 to play much better than this. I feel like people have just forgotten how T1 won their their games because I've won a, I've watched a ton of T1 series and the idea that T1 was just like 2-0ing everyone just like fucking stomping everyone and every game was clean is just not the case like they yep. they simply had like a lot of like scrappy series they won on flips they won on like like fights where they were outnumbered they won from positions where they shouldn't win similarly to how they they won game 1 and and even game 3 in the series so I think that 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 T one is is good, and I think they definitely come into MSI as a favorite, no matter who comes out of LPL, because there's no team in LPL that actually looks that good right now. Um, but I, I I think that it was really interesting seeing the reaction to the Munchables tweet. I don't know if you guys saw where Munchables said that T one was uh, he thought that T one was overrated. Yeah, and this like was met with. I a, actually don't know who he's responding to in that tweet because I feel like most people who have voices within the scene are not trying to overhype T1 right now. I think most people are like, no, this team is less good than you guys think. I think it's not the experts. I think it was like public sentiment. Public sentiment that just mm -hmm. like look at the stats or maybe watch a game or two and they're like, holy shit, T1, like perfect season. They must be unstoppable. I, I think that's who it was too. But I, I agree to your point there, Monty, that I feel like a lot of the experts that have dove into the matches are like, oh, they're winning. They're the best, but like what Tom's saying, they're, they're, it's kind of flippy. I mean, they have they have some very good early game set pieces, but I think also Genji's a bad matchup for them because they basically prioritize different objectives. Where T1 is very first herald focused, and yeah, their set pieces are drags. Yeah, they all always time. do that, and like mm -hmm. they the the way they compensate for it is on soul is on you know soul point um, or soul itself. They oftentimes will try and force picks or not like force the advantage right before the spawn by having better setup in advance of the objective. Uh, they did that less well, I think, during the series, which 
partially is Genji's strength, and I think partially was due to them being physically ill. Uh, I I do think though that a lot of their set pieces are very very difficult to counteract. One of the things T1 does well is show up very early for Harold. Uh, Korea often rotates early, and if he's not six, he'll soak XP off the mid wave with Faker until he hits six, and then they just go and contest the Herald almost immediately. They frequently have the priority in the top side. They are very dangerous at those fights overall. And then once they get the Herald, they can make decisions about how they want to accelerate the lane or punish cross map plays. And this, to me, is the core strength of T1 alongside having. Com very versatile compositions that kind of all do the same thing. And I brought this up before, but they typically play pick comps. They play with poke, a strong engage, and a reset champ. Uh, and so once they start to get an advantage in the team fight, it snowballs really fast. It's most of the time it's jinx. And they are able to target select very quickly after getting poke damage down and engage. And this is their strength. But they do not, they have not for like the last half of the split really deviated from the style of play. And I think they can do other things, but you can see a pretty stark difference in the compositions that Gen G was using as opposed to T1 was using in this series. And the T1, you can't ban it out either. It's They've got too many variations on this that you just kind of have to deal with it. Um, and they are very good at it, but you know what they're going to do. Like they're not unpredictable. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think it's, it's yeah. pretty funny though that like, the sentiment was so negative towards Munchables where I feel like by definition, almost every team that gets this like best team in the world title is almost always overrated in spring. Like it's, it, it's almost, it's almost never that a team is appropriately rated by the community. That's like the best team in the world in, in spring split. So for example, I'm thinking about like Domwon last year. I think Domwon had a significantly more convincing final in spring of last year compared to T1 winning um, this, this year. But like even compared to Domwon, T1, because they won those two extra series that Dom Juan didn't, even though Dom Juan didn't drop a game in playoffs, because T1 went 18-0 <laughs> instead of 16-2 like Dom Juan, they're just the goats, right? Like, they're just so untouchable. Like And literally, that's a two-game difference. That's a two-game yeah. difference. Yeah, but if you hear the narrative... Not even like, two-match, guys. It is also a two-match difference, but it's also a two-game difference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so essentially, my, my, my point... And then one of, like, the matches that Dom Juan lost was to, like, Reddit Brian in the beginning of the fucking split and everyone was like, what the fuck just happened there? And then everyone just like, no one even cared about that match. It wasn't like, like, it was like, oh, that's like a brain fart, like a trap game. Anyone can fucking lose those types of games. Yeah. It's like when TL loses to like Immortals or some shit in, in LCS or like, if I don't even know who they fucking lost. They lost, they lost the FlyQuest, I'm pretty sure. Same type of thing. So to me, I think that they are by definition overrated, but they're still the favorites to win MSI. It's just that when you engage with fans, especially T1 fans, they are like, so high on them that you can't even like mention that oh other teams are good like you can't even mention that that a, an lpl team could win a best of five against t1 it's like yeah i mean i don't think that i don't think that it's like 90 10 between the first seed of korea and and the first seed of of lpl if they meet each other in msi i'm not going to say it like that unless the tournament shows us something else and t1 actually starts cleaning up some of the things that they, they do poorly because a lot of the games they they have moments where you're like this is a moment of vulnerability. If the enemy team plays properly in this section of the game, T1 is going to lose this map. And then T1 is going to have to like adapt as the game goes on. You see these moments of vulnerability. If a team still has those, I'm not going to say that they're just going to win hundred percent. And like in future tournaments, and I've seen tweets, like I'm, I've seen tweets be like, 
oh, well, congratulations on winning the 2022 World Championship, T1. Motherfucker, we are, this was like February when I saw this shit. Like, come on. Like, we gotta, we gotta let them play out the fucking season. Also, I think the other, the other top LCK teams with like one roster change could easily compete with T1. Like, they're already close. Yeah. You are, they're Dom already close, good. guys. Dom One's good. If Dom One actually has, if Nogari comes back, dude, Dom One's going to be fucking terrifying. Yes, bro. Dom One is <laughs> fucking good. I still think Canyon's the best jungler. I'm just going to say it. I still think Canyon's the best jungler. Like, I don't know. It, it could be really, it could be really close. I mean, maybe, I think some, maybe of, Summit will go join Dom One considering he completely is checked out of C9. Right oh, now. boy. <laughs> oh, True. boy. Yeah. Well, one, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting in this series, the T1 Gen G series, was, um, the strategy from Gen G, like they, they ran the Ornn in game one, which I really liked. I thought that was going to be the answer through the whole series. I thought that if you look at how the teams interact, you want Dorn being weak side yep. into Zeus pretty much the entire tournament, like the entire series. You don't want to be playing these Akali, like even though they won the Akali versus Lucian game, I feel like that is just such a like a doomed situation to put yourself in. Like you don't want Dorn to have to play fucking Akali versus a he ranged also top came laner. back from a horrible scenario in the early game. He was getting he had fucked. To yeah, he had to get he had to have some serious help and then like kind of outscale and, and get some kills, some pretty crucial shutdowns and skirmishes to even be relevant. I just thought that that was like a, a, a not great decision <laughs> what, in prep. What, Dom? You didn't like how in game four, Peanut just sacrificed his entire jungle to fail gank for the Camille into the Camille, Camille mm -hmm. Jace matchup. And then owner just gets out of control in the Viego. That was my favorite part of this game, yeah. personally. <laughs> well, I I think also they were like so scared of certain picks. So they banned Lee Sin in game one. And then Gen G decided to start picking Lee Sin. I assume that the reason they were prioritizing Lee Sin this highly was to get it away from owner because owner is such a good Lee Sin player. And I feel like if you're going to like literally have Peanut playing Lee Sin just so he can get counterpicked every game by Viego. You might as well just ban Lee Sin and give yourself uh, a chance on something else because to me, I just didn't like the the problem. I guess the problem is then that because Gumiyushi proved that he could play Caitlyn in game one and Hecarim is a must ban and you always want to be banning Jace versus Zeus, you kind of run out of bans. But I, I would have said that like dropping the Kate ban and then banning Lee Sin, I think could have been a better situation for them throughout the series. I would have liked that adaptation more. Yeah, Kate gets through that first game and then after that, they didn't want to see any more of that. Uh, Doran I, goes 10 and 22 in the series. It was, it was rough. And the only kills were on the Akali game. Uh, yeah, that's that's rough in a carry top meta. Dom, I think the, the issue with the dropping the Caitlyn ban is that T1 started banning Karma. And I think Gen G really was afraid of not being able to run Ezreal Karma into Caitlyn, potentially Lux. I yeah, think that was probably the fear. I, I assume that that's what the fear is too, but... I mean, this lane has an answer. Like, Caitlyn Lux is a very fragile lane. And if you get Peanut on something that he's comfortable on, that he's more comfortable on than Lee Sin, I mean, I know he's a comfortable Lee Sin player, but let's say you get him on something that's better than Lee Sin in some of these games. Like, for example, Volibear, which I thought looked really good in the first game. Like, hey, you find some of these angles. You get a ganking jungler. You get an engaged support. I feel like you can punish this lane. Like, you can make sure that the, that the Caitlyn Lux does not get to just, like, free hit your turret. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that it does somewhat sabotage or it makes not sabotage. It makes it more difficult to execute Genji's game plan, which is like start getting dragons at six or seven minutes into the game.
Mm-hmm. Like, I think they came in very specifically with that game plan based on the drafts and their movements on the map and, and what they were doing. And so I think that their main fear was getting shoved in early because their they their opinion of their win condition was early soul. Yeah, I, I, I agree that their, their idea is that like, yeah, they need to get soul because obviously T1 gives up first two drakes and then goes Rift Herald all the time. So their mentality is like, oh, we'll just get the drakes for free. But yep. I, I honestly feel like the Drakes won't matter that much based on the comps that they're playing. So, for example, in game one, you don't need Drakes when you're playing the Ezreal, Victor, uh, Orin side of this matchup. Like, all they needed was fucking good mental in this game. They just needed good <laughs> mental and to not fucking panic when they, like, started losing a couple skirmishes because they, they like, actually just outscale. Like, Nocturne becomes worthless in yeah, this game they did they did overpress their advantage at times uh, anyway i i think that's i'm i don't i agree about what the proper way to do this is i'm just saying these are the things that i think they were considering and why i think the drafts sh- shook out the way that they did mm-hmm. you guys got me thinking uh dom when you were saying t1 kind of you know anytime a team is crowned the best team in the spring uh it's usually they never live up to the hype so i was actually looking through msi at the teams that qualified on through per the region has there been a favorite that has ever held up to it and it's maybe 2017 t1 uh who who came in as a favorite yeah i think that was the huni roster i'm trying to look for the rosters here but yeah uh, that was the roster 2017 Huni roster, they beat a KT in the finals, and then it was uh, G2, Flash Wolves, WE, TSM was the representative from NA at that time with Gigabyte Marines and Supermassive there. But that was and that was T1, really the last time. And TSM barely made it out of group stage. Didn't they go to like five <laughs> games with Gigabyte Marines? I'm pretty sure that was the MSI where they were like struggling to get out of the fucking like playing part of it. Yeah, it was nice. Good times. Correct. Good times. Good times. Um, I wanted to remind everyone here. Yeah, at Deserto, that we are trying to catch, trying to catch up to Astralis because we're not the Astralis of content here. We're more of that fine one, almost like a rogue, maybe we could say, like we're that type of level, that type of tier of content here. So, uh, as you could see, we gained some subs from the last call to action to subscribe that we had here. 600 subs to be specific. They're on 11,700. Uh, 11, We've moved up to uh, 7,300. So we're almost there. Help us out. Hit the subscribe button and get more of the League of Legends content that you want here on the Deserto League of Legends channel. Uh, all right. So with that, and also while you're at it, let us know if there is an MSI team that has lived up to the hype uh, in the spring that has actually lived up to it. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I guess the team won one, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it was like best team in the world, but I guess in terms of teams living up to the hype, 2019 G2 definitely lived up to the hype. Like that was, they were, they were really like that. Was, people were saying like, this is a super team. This is the best team Europe ever produced. Maybe people weren't going to say that they're the best team in the world at that point, because you've literally never been able to say that about a Western team up until that point. And then they ended up just winning the whole thing. So I have to say yeah. that uh, the 2020 uh, MSI really lived up to the hype. You know, we were really early yeah, we, on in the COVID that was my pandemic. Favorite one. We were really early on in the COVID pandemic. Everybody was wondering, like, is COVID really going to be that big? Like, are they going to win? And they COVID <laughs> won in the end. So yeah. they're, still winning. MSI they're still winning. They, they've been winning for years now. So that was that COVID. Thank you. You lived up to the hype, MSI. There it is. Yeah. Uh, 
in case you don't understand that one, it, it was canceled. There was no MSI 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, good job, <laughs> I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. That's why I needed to explain it to those that don't get it because they, they, they need to know how great it was. Oh, and um, yes. To, to explain my part of it, the reason why I said that's my favorite one is I'm no notorious for hating MSI. I'm an MSI <laughs> hater, just in case anyone knows. What would you replace MSI with? Uh, I mean, I would just like change the form. The problem for for me for MSI is you just have to watch too many shit games with shit teams. Like, yeah. I don't want to watch. How That's many games do we watch? Professional League of Legends. The problem is that the skill difference is way too high. Way too yeah, yeah. too. Uh, there's too much skill disparity between the teams, right? So, like, how many games of Pentanet did I did I have to watch? Eighteen. I'm watching like eighteen Pentanet games in one tournament on stream. It was actually ridiculous. Like, come on, guys, come on, like. There has to be a way where we can like make we can kind of make it similar to worlds where there's the playing stage amongst like the wild card teams, and then we get more than three best of fives between the actual teams that you want to watch. There has to be a way. I mean, there, there is. is. It's just Riot refuses to do it. Yeah, that's the ball. There we go. Thank you. When, whenever I, was... I say there has to be a way, it's more like please don't ban me from anything else. But like, <laughs> maybe someone can. <laughs> not another out. ban for Dom. No. Not, an, not another. <laughs> not ban, again. Please. Not again. Look, look the way it, this is how it works. You, you know, it's like, it's like when you when you have a child and you want them to make you want them to feel like they came up with the idea so that they're more incentivized to do it. That's kind of the way that I treat these uh, these situations. I'm like, there has to be something, but I can't keep up with it. And they're like, what about GSL groups? I'm like, GSL. What the fuck is that? Like you came out, holy <laughs> shit! That's amazing. This is the best tournament I've ever seen. That's it's amazing that here. they could invent GSL groups without ever having heard of GSL and StarCraft. That's very <laughs> impressive by them. You you really incepted them well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really impressive. Great work, boys. <laughs> we did it. Holy. We fixed League of Legends esports. Yep. I will say we we won't have. I'm not defending it because you're right. There's too many crap games, but. We won't have the panic that we had in 2017. Gigabyte Marines beating TSM in the first game with that was the feed. That was the feed feed Levi, right? Levi was on the Nocturne yep. and just they just funneled him and TSM just got bodied and it was panic from there on out. But if 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 only there was a way without having. Well, I mean, to I, think, I think I think, and games. now the problem with this MSI is like so. The same thing happened where now there's a region that can't go. There might be two regions that can't go because we like Vietnam hasn't been able to. Um, come to China an international tournament to yeah china might not even be there's a world where china, if china doesn't go it's like please man like do i really have to watch t1 stomp like eu and na like if like lpl is the only hope that's gonna be able to like take down t1 right so so i mean so vietnam hasn't been able to go to a tournament for the last what two worlds and and last msi as well so that's three tournaments they haven't been able to go to in a world at in, in a row i can't see them actually making this one and then you also have like obviously lcl has literally stopped all operations. They're not going to yep. have a team. So we're going to get, so this means that we're going to get probably two potential teams in the rumble stage that are straight wildcard regions. Like we're going to get like, what, what are regions without many fans? I don't want to say Turkey because I'll get flamed or Brazil. Okay. Let's just uh, they're, Japan. They're like LA Sorry, or Australia. Japan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see OCE and, and LLA playing in, uh, Actually, not LA. There's too many Spanish fans. OCE in Japan. I don't want to see them in the Rumble stage. That's what I meant. <laughs> I tried like to the, give the, us the a lead that like, won't watch this. Yeah. Yeah. 
And even if we get flamed, uh, I, I can't comprehend kanji as much as like Osh English. Osh English still hurts the feelings. Uh, they still can do that. They still can watch this. Um, I, I, I had a I had a point here on on this one, but I oh I'm interested in if we're just talking MSI just for another brief second. If those teams don't show up, because one thing that MSI and any international event does, it does give weighting towards the region's performance, which then leads to how many pool like what pool they get, uh, how many seeds they get, what pool of of uh, I guess talent skill is it when they pick teams for worlds how it affects things like if if it's if this one's just not weighted or if the teams that don't show up don't gain points and you know they're just averaged back like i'm i'm interested in how that would work because theoretically then na hopefully would be able to raise their rating with a a, a better performance and and some of the other regions also are able to do that while vietnam gets Theoretically punished, as well as uh, all right. Just uh, enough. Just give give China oh, yeah. and Korea fifth slots, okay? Yeah, please. please. Thank you. That would be fucking hype. That would be fucking hype. Look, give them each five. That would be rad. I I am so down to watch like Weibo, who's like finishing fifth, sixth in in uh, LPL over the third seed from NA, whoever it's going to be this year. Like, if it's this version of Cloud Nine, please no, and please, I'm just. It's just too fucking bad re re recently. It's just I can't even watch it. No worries. I, I saw. For, I who saw. Who do you stream for, Dom? Oh, I literally just. <laughs> I, I've been flaming them since, since I got signed. I actually got signed right when they were having that summer collapse, and I was just flaming the shit out of them the entire time. <laughs> I brought Niski on like the stream, just flamed him to his face. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> it was it was great. Niski's such a champ. He does take that like great. right in the chin whenever he does. Uh, yeah. Whenever things don't go his way. Um, okay. Well, with all that, let's move on to a region whose playoffs also had started and kind of are in a weird bracketed style that you got certain rounds starting at different times on Friday, you had round two on Saturday, you had the semifinals and then on Sunday you had round three. And of course I'm talking about the LEC. Uh, we had, uh, a super team go down and it was not G2. It was Vitality that got not 3-2'd, not 3-1'd, but swept across the floor by a G2 squad that uh, ran straight through them, which then G2 also brought out the broom again, back-to-back -back brooms uh, against Misfits as well for rounds two and rounds three. Uh, let's start with the Vitality series here, guys. They didn't look good, and what does this mean for Vitality with how high their expectations were? Um, well, this was the weirdest series I think I've ever watched compared to like expectations, like almost everything that you would think would happen going into the series didn't happen, which is so fucking weird. So like randomly, like Vitality's bot lane is popping off. They're like the strong point of the team. They're, they're doing really well. Then you have, so like, uh, all right, let's, instead of going into that, let's go from the beginning, going into the series, what you'd expect. And the reason why a lot of people were on Vitality's side was that the reason why Vitality matches up well is because of the fact that Alfari is yes. one of the top laners that can actually match Broken Blade. Like they're both really good in lane. And that means that one of G2's biggest win conditions in BB and him just being able to like smash people into the floor is not available in the series. If you expect, like if you go into a series and you have something like BB versus Hirit, suddenly the whole game changes where it's like, oh my God, like the game is predicated on how fucking hard BB is going to smash here at in lane. This is not the case for, for the Vitality matchup, or this is what you wouldn't expect to be the, pace, the case for the Vitality matchup. 
Vitality's weakness, all split, was their bot lane. If you're talking about just like individual lane, uh, like individual positions, their bot lane was just not good the entire uh, split. So that's one where like you would expect it to be close. No one really like winning out by by a lot. And then when it comes to like mid and late game, generally G2 made worse decisions with advantages. I mean, they threw versus Elder in the first Misfits game, um, almost lost the game off of it. Yet they obviously had the colossal, colossal throw the second time they played Misfits. And just in general, G2 is not good at closing out games with leads over the course of the split. But then you get into this series and suddenly BB is just completely shitting on Alfari, like just dicking him completely, which doesn't really make sense if you follow Alfari's entire career up until this point. The bot lane of G2 is getting massacred by Vitality bot lane. One of the, the worst parts about Vitality in terms of gameplay was how their support and jungle interacted. And in the first game, you have LeBrov like roaming all over the map with self-made. They're making plays together. So it's like, where the fuck did that come from? And then when you get into like the mid and late game, Vitality is making like horrible decisions compared yeah, to G2. This was, the most confusing thing to me was that Vit the criticism of Vitality was... They have, they, it looks like they don't even talk to each other in the early game. They're unable to play around wave states. They have zero synergy on the map. And then somehow in they team fight well enough in the mid to late game to kind of come back into games and win some of them. Right. And the, it was the reverse here where their early games were significantly better, but they played like absolute shit in the mid and late game. So, I mean, so, so that's why this is such a weird series, even though it's a three Oh for G2 it's like the weirdest way that a 3-0 could have happened, in my opinion. Like, I could have seen a 3-0 if, like, Yankos was just, like, they were, like, late invading. They're all over self-made. Self-made's just not able to get any starts that he, that he is, that's, like, that are reasonable. He's just super behind. And Vitality just crumbles like they normally do in the early game. G2 just gets so far ahead that Vitality can't come back. I could have seen that being a reality. Or, like, the Vitality bot lane is just, like, not really doing anything. They're just, like, even in lane, and then Targuma starts roaming. LeBrov stays in lane, and suddenly there's just numbers all over the map for G2, and they open up advantages like that. The fact that the games went like this was, like, so fucking puzzling. It's like, how, how did both teams do everything that they were bad at well and everything that they were good at bad, with, I guess, the exception of BB shitting on people because that was, like, a constant. It just seems super, super weird. So I, I didn't really know what to make of this series um, because, I mean... Even in the last game, right? It's like a 5k gold lead at 14 minutes for Vitality, and then they just like lose by making a bunch of weird decisions. It was it was really, really strange to watch. I wanted to Which is which just... is why this Vitality team is never gonna work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think this team is broken beyond repair. Uh at this point, like I've seen it all. Uh the one complete game that I've seen in the last couple of months from them was game five in their last series versus Excel. Like the fifth game, I thought they actually played pretty cleanly, but every other game has just been some level of errors that are absolutely like indefensible from a team with this level of experience. That that that's what I was gonna ask Monte. I was like, I wanted to pose the question: Is this fixable? Like, can can no. you do anything with it? And nope. <sighs> no, you cannot, sir. No, you. Cannot. I mean, it depends on what <laughs> fixable is. Like. How how much are we talking about fixing? Are we talking about fixing it to the point where they're a super team and one of the best teams in LEC? Because that's not happening with this roster. But I could see like this same roster playing a little bit better than they did in the series and actually making top three and potentially going to Worlds in summer. Like all they need, like if you look at this series, all they would have needed was Alfari to not get completely shit on by Broken Blade. 
and that then they're probably good and then like just the the decent decisions like like mid to late game they didn't have to make some crazy they, they weren't in points where like they had to come up with some genius strategy they were at they had clear advantages late game with comps that should be able to win so to me i feel like there's no team in e like when i'm looking at, at misfits i think misfits is just worse than them already like i think misfits would have lost to whoever won this series um they just don't look like they're prepared for a best of five and it's really easy to just target them, especially because their weakest two players. Uh, well, I mean, here here it's just not good. But like having a weak support in jungle is really bad for best yeah, they, of fives. Those, those guys choked on stage big time. So, I mean, I think the Vitality could potentially make top three, even with this roster, if they just play a little bit better individually. But it's just, I don't think that they'll be good. I don't think they'll be as good as Fnatic or be able to like potentially beat them. They could be like a random EU team that gets third, gets into group stage, goes like one in five and just gets kicked out immediately. I can see that. What what's the I don't the think move? that's the ambition of this roster though. That's sure. the problem. Yeah. It's like they definitely have higher goals than that. Yeah, and it, because I think with those players that you have, that that the ambition is higher. So, do you take out uh, a couple of the established players that makes that those lofty goals as high? Like you know, an Alfari, or I, I assume that you continue to hold on to perks, but like, I think you take like, out self-made. I mean, honestly, you have to take out self-made or Lebrov. I think the the issue is that like self-made has way too high highs for for like most teams to want to get rid of him because you're always going to tell yourself if you're on a team of self-made, what happens if the right meta comes? What happens if in fucking patch twelve point eight? Graves and Italy are just gigabuffed and they are the best fucking junglers in the game. Oh shit, now we wish we had self-made on our team. Like if, if it becomes a jungle-centric game like it was in season 10 when self-made was at his peak, he's one of the best junglers to have on your team. You'd way rather have him than Yankos in that type of meta, right? So you're always going to be telling yourself that. I think the, the, the most logical thing for me would be to replace the support with somebody who doesn't have the like mechanical highs, but that is known as like a smart player who's going to give direction to the team in the early game that like knows like, like that wins the game differently than like how LeBron wins the game. We we um, have the same idea, but I would rather have that person be the jungler. I'd rather have that person be like the El Yoya aggressive comms jungler that comes in uh, rather than have it come from the support position. Like you want core JJ. I want El Yoya for this team. I mean, I think there's more opportunities to get people that have that like mentality right now. Like, I don't know who would be the jungler with the brain to like make this team work right now in EU, like who could they pick up? Like maybe El somebody Yoya. like Synchro. <laughs> well, I, don't think, I don't think El Yoya is going to be on the table. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. seems like, seems like Mad Lions will put anybody on the table for the right price. I'm just saying. Okay. I mean, I could see El Yoya, but I mean, El Yoya did kind of struggle in those same areas, this split. So. I, I think that oh. on this roster, he would be a lot better. He also, that. He also went from what humanoid to reeker so you know yeah cool. but even cool. like uh, i so mean hard. independent of that i felt like the decisions that he actually was in control of like when it came to like jungle support interaction which is i think vitality's biggest weakness was not a huge strength on mad lions like i don't think that kaiser and Yoyo played well together that's fair um this split so for me it's like i'm i think Yoyo is good but i think that like the difference between him and self-made, it felt like self-made even towards like the end of playoffs was actually getting better at like playing the fucking dog junglers and things like that. I just feel like what are the redeemable qual like what meta is LeBrov gonna be good in? What what meta like what is LeBrov's what meta? Do you mean? I don't you even can know. play all the champs, Tom. It's fine. 
Exactly. That's my fucking problem. Is that he plays everything and he never looks good. Like he looked, he looked okay the series. This is probably the best series that he had, but it's still like not good enough. You know. I agree. I Let's, do think it's one of those two players that that you just need somebody like like you're saying to provide the early game shot calling, which I certainly agree with. Yeah. Let's shift gears before we get back to G2 and their match on Sunday against Misfits and look at the all-red side victory winner's bracket finals to see who would be the big boss at the end of it. And it was 2-0 for Fnatic until Rogue. We really got to see the medal of this Rogue roster. We got to see Larson shine. You got to see all these engage angles that Malrong was finding over and that over again. Uh, it was it was very very fun uh, to watch, and then uh, comp really, you know, dishing out the damage. Uh, let's go there. Uh, Fnatic Rogue, Fnatic unable to close it out. Ooh, what were your thoughts on this one? You want to go, Monty? Yep. Um, I really thought Rogue came in with kind of a weird game plan that I'm happy they pivoted away from. I think that allowing support counterpicks when you're blinding a Lulu is dangerous and that Hillisang was able to punish that in the first game of the series. Um, they really weren't operating with a lot of primary engage. And I think they had pretty significant comp weaknesses and then compounding the fact that you gave Fnatic a 25 minute infernal soul in the first game of the series was obviously hugely problematic. However, even after that first game loss, I was still pretty confident that Rogue would win the series because they managed to drag that game out with serious deficiencies in their comp and play style for an additional like 16 minutes after the soul. Yep. So the fact that they were able to like kind of almost succeed in, in knocking the square peg through the round hole, as it were, through some very clever positionings by Malrong, like you said, Digon, I think is was a very positive sign for them. And then I think that once they made adaptations to the draft um, and they were willing to give up the Twisted Fate, which could have backfired because the last time they played in the best of one, Humanoids TF just shit all over them. So it was certainly a risk, um, but selecting the red side, Larson, I think, was one and two all time on Silas coming into this series. So it was obviously extremely unexpected that he would even pivot in this direction towards this champion uh, was very good. And then Rogue had some really interesting early game tricks up their sleeve that allowed them to get enormous advantages that with these scaling compositions were very, very difficult for Fnatic to overcome. So I think Rogue... I think Rogue looked good even in games that they lost, surprisingly, and were able to fight back in a tough situation that showed, a, I think, a mental strength that we haven't really seen from Rogue before, and the new players on this roster seem to be helping with that. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing, the, the mental ability to come back from a 0-2. I mean, you would have never expected this with their former roster, so I think that that's a big positive. Um, one of the consistent negatives for Rogue has always been their ability to like adapt um yeah. drafts and uh just like be able to interpret what the enemy team is going for in a draft and then react to it and i think that they failed at this really hard in game one the enemy team already has quirky jace like i'm sure in their prep they weren't expecting humanoid to play quirky because he hasn't played much quirky in recent weeks anyway but the fact that they actually went a lulu instead of an engaged support there just shows yeah. how set they were on what comps they wanted to run it's a blind lulu too and you know hillisang is weird shit so 
Yeah, but I mean, even even if it's not a blind Lulu, like the fact that the enemy team has Jace Corky, like, well, like you look at the enemy team, it's like, hey, this team has a lot of fucking poke. We probably need to engage on this shit. What's a good engager? Lulu. Boom, we got it. Like, we're going to fucking win the game. That shit was just inexcusable. Like, that is just a horrible draft pick. I don't know how that gets through. I don't know how the coach even allows that. I feel like these are points where coaches really need to step in because there's times where, like, the players are just going to miss things. And they're going to be like tunneling on matchup or like their practice or whatever. And I feel like as a coach, this is where like you never want to overset. Like if the if the players are like, I know, like, trust me, give me Lulu. We'll win this fucking game 100%. Like if your player says that, you just have to give him Lulu. Like that just is what it is. But I wonder if they if the coaches actually were able to like tell the play. It's like, OK, but like if you are going to go Lulu here, remember, they have a ton of pokes. So would you want to play an engage support? Like I think a Leona or Nautilus could be good into what the enemy team has. So for me, I'm just like, how did the coaches let this happen? Like so, this is what your job is. Like you should be the one that's fucking stepping in right now and, and helping them. So here's here's the weird thing, Dom. We saw Lulu in the G2 Vitality game, too, but we didn't see it in any other games in any other region in playoffs. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I think this is just one of those things that there's there's this weird like internal European scrim meta developing where like yeah. they are placing this priority on Lulu that no one else like no one else has discovered. Um, and it doesn't seem particularly good. Definitely not blind to Dehilly who, who uh, punished them and made them pay uh, and going back to it. The engage was Maurog like. Uh, uh, like uh, like like we said earlier, go watch the LCK he opener. Did, he he did watch a these great highlights job. from game one. It was crazy. It was yeah, crazy. He did a great job in a very bad situation, but like he shouldn't have to be a fucking superhero to win that game. Like that's he is overcoming deficient compositional deficiencies. And did he good do an amazing job at that? Yes. Was it enough to win? No. Uh, so the other thing in game one that I wanted to mention was like how Fnatic didn't even recognize their own win condition, like which was poking even when they had soul. So like they got the perfect soul too. They got Inferno soul when they have yeah. a poke comp. Like that's really At fucking 25 good. minutes. It's like right when you're coming online with perfect. your items too. Perfect. And, and you know what actually baited them into all these fights? The, the feeling that they needed to use the package for some reason. Like <laughs> every time they got package, they're like, we have the pack. Like we got one minute on package. Start the fucking Baron. Where in reality, it's like, dude, your package doesn't matter at this point. Like put your fucking package away. Put it in your fucking pants like humanoid. You I was going to say, I feel the need to use my package. So I understand the urge. Yes, understand yes. Urge. at some points you can't use your package, Monty. This is how like, well, I mean, it depends what company you work for. But you know, like when, when you're playing this comp, That's you have to just sit there. Yeah, look, hey, I didn't say it. Monty said it. I might have set him up, but we're, that wasn't me. Either. It wasn't there. me. <laughs> it was Degon. Degon prompted us. He was the host. He wrote the joke actually in the in the script before the the episode went live. But seriously, they, like well if done. you have your package, it doesn't matter. There, like you don't start Baron. You literally just poke them. You poke them with rockets. You poke them with Jace. They have no answer. What are they gonna do? Get Mega Nar and then try to engage on you? Okay, he goes Mega. You back off. Then you like run back, you start poking them again. You hit enough poke. You had one good EQ plus one rocket. Oh, then you start Baron when they're too fucking chunk to be able to contest. It's not hard for Fnatic to win that game. So I think that was really, uh, really, I mean, I think that game one was just pretty poor from both teams. But I think what's even worse was how Fnatic adapted to what was going on in games three, four, and five when they kept on drafting TF. They essentially played the same game three times in a row at the end of this like series. It was like, we're going TF. It's like, okay, well, like it's not working. 
No, we're going TF again. Okay, well, I mean, he's answered with silence. He's had Come two on. good games. I think, I think a lot of that was weird shit that was happening in the early game that gave Malrong. I mean, Malrong had like four or five kills in early games in game three and four. I think it's reasonable to assume if you're a fanatic, like, surely that will not happen again. That was a stupid, you know, we, we played stupid at level one or we played stupid in the early game and overdove, right? I think that... It, it was reasonable to think like, OK, we're going to have a normal kind of even early game state and then we will be able to snowball with the Twisted Fate. So, but they didn't even set, so, so the first game, they, they go, what, a Scion TF, which is like, OK, that's not how you play around a TF. Then the second game, the second game, like and the thing is what they're giving up to get TF. So it's not like they're just getting it. They're like, oh, a TF, like, OK, like that's still our good first. But it's like you're giving them Hecarim. You're giving Morong on red side his best fucking champion to get this TF. And then their whole game is banked on a level one invade. Which, when Odo was reviewing the games, he's like, yeah, I just knew they were going to do this level one invade, so I just, like, sat bot lane and then just TP top because top lane doesn't matter. Because, obviously, the only way that, that this comp is going to work, the only reason that you're drafting Braum into Rakan here, or you're drafting Braum with the ability for the enemy team to pick Rakan, is so that you can do this level one invade, because Braum is obviously, like, a god in fucking level one fights. So, Well, as long as the top laner isn't randomly there on the other team, ready yeah. to shit on you. <laughs> of course, of course. But, like, we've seen what's... What, what they should know is from their scouting, they should know that Rogue knows how to defend Hecarim. They did, Rogue did the same thing in the final fucking week when they played against G2. Yankos went for an early invade topside and Trimby was just sitting there. He was just waiting there and they just instantly fucking killed, like killed one of them. The Hecarim's just snowballed from the beginning and it was the same fucking game. So they, they literally should be able in their prep to be like, they're actually pretty good about defending their jungle. Like they're be, and at least have that in their mind so they don't end up outmanned in, in a situation like that. And then in game five, like, I feel like, okay, the TF isn't working. Why not just go red side? Red side is 4-0 in the series. Red side has won every fucking game. It seems like you're having better red side drafts right now. Why not just go red side either game four or game five when your strategy isn't working? Like, why run the same thing three fucking times in a row? I just think it's way too stubborn. I think it's way too stubborn, especially once they have the answer. Like, the Silas was working. You think, you think Larson, how confident do you think Larson is? When after just shitting on a TF twice with Silas, it was nine one and seven, and then ten one and ten. Okay, in so games think about three and four. <laughs> okay, so when he goes into game five and he's playing the same fucking matchup, how confident is that guy? He's like, I'm nineteen and two in the last two games. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why I think that it was fucking that it's not about the level ones. I think it's about the fucking draft and the decide and the decision to keep on staying on blue side. I think you go red side, and you. You do you copy your bands from the first game. You try to like put them in another situation that's not optimal. I I really wonder if it's because humanoid. Got I think he just slow. wanted to play TF yeah. and he yeah, yeah. he's, he's normally a really up. fucking insane TF and he's like no no, no. Right. trust me. I also yeah, think he, a, he did the thing that you talked about oh, oh, during draft, except it was during side selection time. It was like, no, 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 no dude. trust me. Owen eight getting bodied by Marong so early on. No, 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 no. Like that's I, that's how I, I do think I do think it's it. It is easy to criticize in retrospect, Dom, but I think if you asked anybody at the start of this series and you said, Humanoid has to win one out of three games on Twisted Fate in this series, do you think he will do that? I think all of us would have said yes. He'll win one third of his TF game. Sure, but like that's not what the actual question is. The question is if you then <laughs> like because you're not going into the series like, oh, is he gonna win one out of three games? Like that makes it sound like all three games are like just in isolation, different points. Maybe he like sure. plays one in game one, one in game game three, and then one in game five. Like no, no, no. But I'm I'm not justifying it. I'm saying that this is a mentality that he's going to have going into that final game. He's like, surely 
I can't lose again, right? On this my signature sure. pick. And, and my my point is like it's not just that you lost. It's like you just lost twice hard, and they're so fucking comfortable answering it. Why not just go red side? Why not just select red side in this game? He doesn't want he doesn't want Larson to have TF. I think. I mean, I if I feel like he should be comfortable on both sides of that matchup, and also I feel like TF generally would suit Rogue worse with how Rogue plays because one of the things that you want when you draft TF is a volatile top lane carry based matchup so that you can visit the lane with your TF and you can get that snowball character going. That's why like TF Camille is so, so popular. I feel like Odo is like one of the worst players to have your strategy be like, Oh, just like, just fucking kill this guy in lane. Like Odo's the, the, the guy that will just sit there with or like dive me. I'm ready. Like I am expecting to be dove. <laughs> like he's, he loads into the game. He sees the wave stacking. He's like, yep. I'll give up eight waves if I have to. I'll fucking die on this wave and TP back if I have to. He's so comfortable just getting completely like smacked. Like he he's he's not gonna fucking lose the series by getting TF ulted on. And after the, the, those two games, I mean, my point is by game five something needs to change. I think you go you you change side selection um, with how the game with how games three and four looked. Well, we're likely to see this series again, so. We can enjoy what happens. I think it's going to be a really interesting final if because mm -hmm. I, I feel like this was such a weird series for all the reasons that we've stated that almost any outcome could I feel could happen in these finals. Well, yeah. I mean, I think one thing that we're going to see uh, over time is the priority of red side change. I think that is something that we can we can definitely see, because like if you look at the T1 games, um, Gen G, when they lost selected red side and t1 who had side selection um for the series started on red side so so yeah. teams are selecting red side it's not like the mentality in every region is like no blue side is super fucking op that's how teams thought originally and now as things have progressed people are going uh on red side more often they're choosing red side more often well to be fair uh after the first loss genji did pick blue side and then t1 picked blue side i do remember looking that one up wasn't it 50 50 and then well Gen, so well t1, Gen G t1 st started on red t1 started t1 on, started red, on red gen g then chose blue then t1 chose blue and then gen g chose blue oh so okay. they were well they were switching to blue side after game one for the choice okay all right but i mean still like the point stands the teams are selecting red side like t1 came into the series thinking that red yep. side was better uh last series to talk about here in europe before we go into predictions uh, Misfits G2. Misfits, obviously, uh, Monty, you well, there's nothing. To, there's, nothing there. there's nothing to, there's nothing to say here. I, I don't even want to talk about this. Here it got smashed. Shlatan and Mursa still had nerves. Uh, VTO almost managed to make a comeback with Vex in game one. Otherwise, they just got pooped on, and that was the end of Misfits. They completely mental boomed on their rookie players on stage during the playoffs. Here it still underperformed, and they made their fans sad. End of story. Uh, number one, I would contest that they don't really have fans. Um, and then also, <laughs> I think this wrong. Is just like no one was sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so no one was sad. Perfect. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much I would say that like this was like choking compared to just not being good enough. I mean, Schladen was like a Lisa in one trick and then teams just banned Lisa in from him. And it's like, oh, shit, he's looking like he did when he played Zin Zhao and stuff like he just looked like the same exact player. So. Um, yeah, I don't think that it's, uh, I mean, I think it was foreseeable that Misfits was not going to win one series the entirety of playoffs. Okay. 
we're done. Fix your problems, Misfits. There, there it is, Misfits fans. I I got it for or don't. All, when VTO is a free agent, somebody else will pick him up and he'll be on a good team. It's fine. <laughs> uh, that leaves us with <laughs> two more. Geez. That leaves us with two more best of fives. Fnatic G two Rogue and winner of that. Uh, for the in-person, right? I think they're in-person uh, semifinals and finals for yes. the last series here. Yes. Uh, audience going to be a factor. We've seen it be a factor, uh, uh, I guess, for the LCS at least. Um, but uh, what do we got here? What are you looking for in this Fnatic G2 matchup? Another matchup of the Classico that we saw uh, earlier. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I still have a problem seeing how g2 wins like i don't really know how g2 wins because i mean it's, it's up to bb again and flocket has been playing better for sure um but i mean I, I like unless hilly just has another fucking terrible series which he had versus uh versus rogue and i mean he kind of had a bad series versus g2 the first time and it wasn't enough i think it's really hard to see g2 winning because i feel like g2 generally does struggle around objectives where like Fnatic and rogue are just significantly better than the other teams in Europe when they get in a fight around an objective this far, at least. So I don't really know how G2 can win unless they all show up like super, super well. I think G2, if we look at the pick and ban in the first series, they gave Humanoid LeBlanc every single game, which I think was a very big mistake throughout the course of the series. But the problem is, is that G2 cannot play any of the power picks in this meta because they're banning TF, Jinx, or sorry, TF, Zeri, and Caitlyn on blue side. So what the fuck are they going to do if they can't play any of the top picks in the meta and they're going to, they, they, what the answer is they're going to let things like LeBlanc through. So they need to be able to play good champions. And well, it seems I like they're, they're, I mean, I assume they're going to ban, they're going to let TF through based off how Fnatic just looked. Played sure. It, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, do them any favors. I think that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they're Might just choosing a, a different way to get shit on. Um, but I, I just think they don't really have a complete champion pool for the meta and their bands are really suspect and they're going to let some level of power pick through to Fnatic who will be able to destroy them with it. All right. There's our prediction there for the semifinals. And uh, I guess our coverage here on the LEC for the last week, a, a lot of matches, some surprises, and it just a big experience. It's going to be a Fnatic Rogue. versus Rogue finals. I'd say Rogue 55% to win that one. Fnatic could definitely make adjustments and come back. That's hard to call. I, I expect Fnatic to win, actually. What, what, what percentage? Uh, I would go like 60-40. I think Fnatic is still decently favored. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of ways they can get an advantage. I think one of the easiest ways they can get advantage is just if they counterpick support because they're letting like Rakan through every single time to Trimby and they're giving him like good matchups on it. But it's like, what happens if Hilly just takes Rakan? Like that's, that's what hit like every playoff series that I've seen Hilly in, in like the last five years, it feels like it always just devolves into him blind picking Rakan. And if you watch LEC, the, the Rakan priority goes from like being like, 
it's a fifth pick counter pick. It's like, well, you can play it if Nautilus is banned. And then it's like, first pick Rakan. Like, we will first pick. We saw that in, I was in LPL that was happening in the playoffs this last week. It was like the Rakan priority was like rocketing up. That's what happens every time in LEC. It's like, what happens if this just happens? And then like, you have to deal with like Hilly's fucking like crazy ass Rakan. Like, and he's on that instead of Thresh. I think that Thresh doesn't suit Hilly at all. I think that these like, these champions that he's super special on, like either just engage supports. I'd rather see him on Brom. If they're playing an engage support, I think that could work, but I don't want to see like blind pick Brahms. And then like Pike, if they pick a match, I mean, Pike can be his thresh answer. Pike could be even one of his answers to, to engage supports himself. I just feel like if Hilly is getting counter pick, you're normally going to be in for a, a good time as, or if he's just getting a champion that he's insane on, I, I, I trust Hilly to play a bad matchup. Like, Rakan into Nautilus or something. I think Rogue realized that though. That's one of the reasons why they were prioritizing red side later in the series because they picked Rakan R5 every single game that they yeah. won in the last three. Exactly. So I, I think, you know, it would require, it, it's clear, I think, that Rogue knows that. So it would require them to also, you know, Fnatic to select red side. But here's the thing they're going to be coming in at best as the lower seed in the draft, which means that Rogue can pick red side first game and try and get three red side games at, at minimum. So it might be tough. Yeah, I mean, I th tough. I, so I, I think if they only like, if they only counter pick, like I think you can just ban the Rakan, but I think that the, the thing that, so if, if, so if they early pick Rakan, I think that that's going to serve. Sure. My point is that if, if Fnatic early picks Rakan, like they have yep. in previous years, I think that could yep. serve them well. And then I think they have actually good answers to Rakan. So if the Rakan priority rises one of the things that hilly plays really well is the zillion support answer to recon that i feel like they're better at that side of it and then if like all these champions are removed i think that hilly's champion pool is generally better so i just like i think if hilly is playing a good series and he doesn't become a massive liability they don't have this really high thresh priority that they had before i think that it's significantly better for them i was looking up the uh, champion stats here for trimby what else he played? So mostly Rakan in this spring, but then Nami, Lux, Janna, you know, stuff that gets wrecked by Rakan. Maybe not the Janna. Janna is okay, but that was different, different meta. Um, okay, LEC done and dusted. Let's move on to uh, LPL, where we were seeing a little bit more of the Rakan priority in the first series that we saw, LNG and Top Esports. That one was the quick 3-0. Uh, both Awandi and Mark played it in that one. We got to see some vintage Jackie Love in it. We got to see Doonby, uh fall short with the squad. And we got to see great Gragas ults by Wayward in the first game. He was spot on. That was really fun to watch. Over and over again in, in just like really was exciting spots. Terrible. So. <laughs> yeah, was really bad. It was a... It, I had... You know, it, it one you know one part of me was really happy to see a lot of that, and then another part was like, Ale is like walking up by turret when he sees the Q cask on the ground on the minions, and then he just doesn't think that he's gonna get ulted into that turret, and the minion wave immediately destroyed. It was a good play by Wayward, but at the same time, it was just such ridiculous overconfidence from Ale on what I thought was quite a predictable play. Um, so very dis dis disappointing performance overall from Ale, like blind picking the Fiora in game number three, um, which he has done. I, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of Ale play, but he did do that at Worlds, if I'm remembering correctly as well. Did he blind um, pick it? I think he did. Oh. I thought it was an yeah, at, at Worlds 
or you no, mean this, like this series? This series he blind picked it because Wayward picked the graves into it. Yeah. Oh. He yeah, did blind pick it, it the in last the third game. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, that's actually a good matchup. I'm surprised that they ended up picking uh the graves into or it's not a good matchup, but I think that it's something that people are okay with. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they were just trying to get people uncomfortable champions. I thought the, the person that stuck out the most to me was Tarzan because all he's been like hit or miss um, this season, but I was really surprised at how bad Tarzan was in this series. I feel like he should have just been better. And then like, I mean, his builds, like champion picks, it's like, I mean, you're going like what? A, a, a bomby cinder item on Zin Zhao? Like, how are you going to be useful, man? Like you're really, and this is like nerf Zin Zhao too. Felt like they were so ready to lose, but yeah, it's kind of sad that that this LNG team turned out as it did because I don't know. You just like wouldn't when you look at the the roster of players, you would expect that they would just be better than they were last split, right? Like they replaced their weakest player in Icon, or arguably their weakest player in Icon with Doonby, who was the best mid laner. I mean, he was MVP last year in in LPL. So the fact that it turned out so terribly is uh pretty concerning. Yeah, and coming into the series, top esports was the lower seed. They had to play against Billy Billy earlier and dispatch them. So you were expecting LNG to get get a win or, or, or put up a fight, but uh, in this series, not a lot of footing for them to do so at anywhere. Doing B as well. A uh, couple games of Rise. Yeah, they stayed on the blue side the whole time. Couple games of Rise. One Karma game. The karma game was horrible. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't great. They lost that one twenty-one to two. Just in case you didn't watch it, that was. I didn't enjoy was, Wayward but... just like malfolting light on Jinx over and over and over and just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, this was not a great series, guys. Probably, probably would not go back and watch yeah. this one if I were you. <laughs> uh, they got shit stomped. This one's a skip. Uh, but that means that top esports makes it to the top six. They join, they make it through the gauntlet into the double elimination yes. or top four. Sorry, they make it to the double elimination bracket, uh, portion of the tournament here. So, uh, they join V5 and RNG. The other team that needed to do so was going to be either, uh, JD, uh, Jindong Gaming, uh, JDG, or, uh, Weibo Gaming. And uh, Weibo Gaming coming off their victory over EDG. And this one went all five here, Dom. And it was... Uh, I, I, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Of, I was, yeah, it's kind of a fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. another series that I loved. A lot of fighting, a lot of I crazy. mean, look, it was, we- it was fucking weird. Like, Vagar was like an ultra high priority pick because they were playing it into Ari so that they could like zone Shirelli the Ari out with... What? With Shirelia's every game from Angel, he was just <laughs> on the build. Guy loves the item, I guess. I, I I like the he's like Predator isn't enough. It's time to Shirelia's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he's going just, to like he's just all in on this shit. Um, I, like I get, I mean, I get it as as trying to contain the Ari. Um, you do have, I guess, synergy with the the Nar as well if you're you're playing that composition. Um, there were some weird picks, 369 on the the old Kale in the top lane. Uh, SOFM yeah. pulls out the Jungle Zed into the double AD composition of uh, Lucian and Aphelios from 369 and Hope on, yep. on JDG. Um, which, I mean, I guess I see the theory of it, but it requires like a lot of farming and virtually no early presence in order to function, so... Seems dangerous when you're playing into a Volibear that can have a lot of effect on the early game. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, he, also... has a, he has a distinct advantage. Like, so it's like your ganks are not as good as a Volibear's ganks, but you, like, Zed still has one of the absolute best jungle clears out of any champion. Like, he, like, full clears fast as fuck um, because you get multiple passive procs. It used to be that you only get one um, passive proc when a camp is under 50% HP. Now you just get perma passive proc. So, like, jungling Zed, you get the thing, get the, the camp to, like, under 1,000 HP, and you, like, just are dealing, like, 700 damage in auto. It's fucking insane. So... The clear is still really good. He he's played it before in LPL. He goes the stride breaker build. That's consistent. He's just been doing that the entire time. Um, and he plays it more like in a bruiser style than just well, like I, most I, other people play. I think it was very interesting into double 80 carries as well, especially because the Vagar is not really going to be able to lock you down. So the only thing you're super concerned about, I guess, is Nautilus ult. Um, so mm -hmm. you, you definitely have like a pretty superior mobility advantage playing into this composition, but there was, there were some pretty serious early game deficits that really prevented, it, uh, the, uh, the Weibo gaming composition. Well, the shy, from coming the shy online. fucking the shy. Sprinted. Yeah. The shy fucking uh, sprinted it. Three three deaths in twelve minutes for the shy in a Lucian Kennen matchup. There was uh, not a lot of coming back from that. One. I mean, he was like fine at a point too, and then he just like forcefully sprinted it. It's like his team came to help him up, and then he just like runs into the whole enemy team, just like we're killing this Lucian. And then suddenly him and Angel are both dead. Oh, oh shit! So I guess we just lost them. We just lost the game, to shy. So this was a classic the shy series. I mean, I I got every. This is how it's looked for the last like three years now watching LPL and. You're just ready for it if you're watching enough of the shy. It's coming. It's always coming. <laughs> Too funny. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah. It was, it was a couple of three or four man dives on the top side of the map by JDG on Weibo with, uh, I think on was there, and I think SOFM was there one time, but like it, it didn't, it didn't matter. And after that, that lane was kind of screwed. So as much as the, uh, the, the jungle clear is fast, can be fast for Zed, the, the lanes didn't hold up, and this just didn't really get off the ground. So. Yeah, he would have literally been fine in this game if his team just didn't completely sprint it when they defended the top dive. Like the top dive actually was successful for them. Like they lived. Nice. We won the situation. Like the Volibear died and then they just completely sprinted it. And then the game was just <laughs> I think so I think it was over. I think what was funny from the JDG side is like they never saw a fight they didn't like in this entire series. It's like we got the objective. Should we calmly walk away? Even though we're going to outscale them and we just stopped the dragon stack. No, we should definitely fight them right <laughs> fucking now. I was like, stop, please, please stop. That's LPL right there. That's that's what I love about the region. They just will not back away from a fight. It's, it's not the, all the, it's the alpha the male meme. Like every single time, no matter what, they were in there. Yeah, J JDG, is, JDG is always that team. I mean, they're a Kanavi-centric team, so... It was pretty interesting. I mean, I think the, the story of the series was the Vagar, like we talked about. Obviously, different builds that we saw. We saw the Shirelias every game. He, like, this is just... <laughs> Shirelias Predator, does. unsealed spellbook on the other side. It was mm -hmm. weird. It was weird. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a good answer into, into Ari. And yeah, I mean, yep. the Vagar in game five was finally taken down. It was finally defeated in uh, <laughs> in game five. So, you know. Overall, I, I mean, it was it was really interesting. Like the thing about that I like about LPL is that people are willing to like try different shit. So it's like there you get a lot of like variety in how people play and like just even like rune setups and things like that. So uh, in the last two games, you have the ignite frostfire gauntlet uh, Hecarim coming out from SOFM as opposed to like what everyone goes, which is like M Tank Ghost. I think the ignite was actually good. I didn't like the frostfire gauntlet, but I thought the ignite he was he got two really good ganks off at level three. 
um, just doing like substandard pathing because people aren't expect people are expecting right now Hecarim to full clear like almost every game. That's just what's in players' mentality. Oh, they have a Hecarim. He's starting bot side. Okay, he's gonna full clear top side. He'll be here like full clear to three ten. So the fact that SFM did like a mid gank, like no one no one is expecting a fucking Hecarim mid gank at three minutes, like or at uh, at two thirty. No one's expecting that shit with ignite. Like it's suddenly a kill. <laughs> And the, the top gank, like, dude, he was going for ganks that have really, 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 really high risk involved with it. Like, if you fail this top gank in game four, we go level three, ignite gank, gank top side. So you start on your blue side. So your blue side in game, you start on your blue side, and then you run top, and your whole bot side is up. He, he, three, he, only, he cleared with the three camps on blue side and then started ganking, right? I, I'm yeah. trying to remember this properly. Yes. Because it was really, it was, like, actually hilarious that he would just, like, clear blue, gromp wolves, and then just run into a lane. Yeah. And, I mean, it worked both times. So I, I was like, oh, shit, SFM's going to carry this game. Then he just got killed on his Raptors, greeting for Raptors, because SFM can't give up farm. And then the game was over. So, yeah, unfortunate, <laughs> unlucky. We'll get him next time, Weibo. All good. <laughs> do you do you like this Weibo team? Because they, they seem just, in, like, this whole series was really insane to watch. Um, I mean, I don't really like them. Like, who do you I, really I, like? Who do yeah. I really like? Um, I mean, I like, I like V5. I like rookie. Like I've always That's been a, a rookie fan. Um, I, like even when he was on IG, I was like a huge IG fan. Uh, I like them. I like EDG still. I feel like it's Flandre is committing some absolute <laughs> crimes top lane right now. He is just <laughs> fucking like, he is so reported every game, but I mean, I still think the team has it in them. And then RNG is like always fun to watch. So I guess those would be my three favorite teams. The EDG V5 RNG. I do find it hilarious that EDG has to pick between Shao Zhang, the Silas only top laner, and then Flandre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough time. Flandre <laughs> just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what went on with, uh, with EDG. I mean, I assume that they, I mean, they were, uh, they obviously took the longest break. They didn't compete with their main roster in Demacia cup and they probably just thought they would get it together a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad that they just got knocked out like seventh, eighth, like a former a world champion team with zero roster changes going out seventh, eighth and LPL. I mean, just how it is. Like if you don't bring it, you're getting fucking kicked because all there's a lot of strong teams. Like the thing is it's like when you look at other regions, like if you look at like LCS or even LEC, like you can't really see like an XL or a misfits, like really like starting to knock out teams. But in right. LPL, it's like those like fringe teams that are not the best, but are normally like pretty good. Those teams can just like, they'll just murder you if, if you're not bringing it. So you actually have to like stay with it. And this has been a consistent theme of the region, which is why like so fun to watch. With that, we've got two more series to play through here. And we haven't uh, seen on the two of these teams in playoffs yeah. yet, which is very yep. exciting. The two best ones, uh, V5 RNG, um, uh, seeds one and two. And now it's a double elimination bracket, as we've said from here on out. So if V5 or RNG lose, their series isn't over. We've seen this happen uh, multiple times, as Dom has highlighted uh, every episode when we talk about this pretty great format that the LPL has. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grind, but it does ensure that you get an advantage for being the best in the league. Plus, you have extra teams, uh, way, way more teams than any other league. And mm -hmm. uh, you ensure that the best team in form at that time 
uh, will move on to MSI and win the championship. Double limb. Really important. Uh, and V5 just, top just esports on GG, JDG. Yeah. Yeah. And for people that aren't aware, like that haven't been keeping up with LPL, the last two champions of LPL, which are RNG and EDG, lost this round. Like they got smacked in this round. Um, and they ended up running the gauntlet, like running through the loser's bracket and winning the whole thing. So FPX came in from the winner's bracket both times. Uh, I think RNG got 3-0'd, I believe, in, in Spring Split. People were just counting them out. They're like, oh, they got 3-0'd. There's no chance they can actually EDG beat the team. EDG got 3 as well. EDG went 3-2, I believe. Oh, was it? 3-2 to um, WE. Yeah, I think it was 3-2. Okay. So JJ played like the first two games. He was just getting hard shit on, and then they brought in their uh, sub-jungler. Um, yeah, their, their sub-jungler, and he ended up actually doing pretty well. And now he plays for RA, so... He hasn't really been getting much time, but yeah, he got signed by RA. Uh, these matches will be played early Friday. So Friday morning, depending on where you're watching. At, but it, it will be Friday morning. morning and Saturday morning. Correct. And then the, yeah, yeah that, that that's what it will be. Is this one more match afterwards too? Uh, this should be the yeah. loser's bracket match after that. Yeah, so the loser's bracket match will be on Monday morning. So you, you get your Sunday back. Uh, but they're grinding through these games to make sure that their finals on Sunday the 17th will be ready to go here in the LPL. Uh, if you have to watch, go watch V5. Rookie's so fucking good. All right. Time for everyone's favorite league, everyone's favorite fiesta. Let's do it. We've waited and kept it till the very end. LCS time, Cloud9, and... Uh, uh, I don't even remember. Do I have to? Why do you thieves. make me do this, Egon? You, you got to do, do it. You got to do it. People want to see this. This is the this is the Monty that they want to see. Uh, when something like this goes catastrophically wrong, they want to hear Monty's take on it. They want to hear Tom's take on it. So let's start there. Uh, Cloud Nine, number two seed. Hundred Thieves, number three seed. Last time that they played, Hundred Thieves won. Uh, going into it, and it, it was it was nice. I actually had an interview with Berserker afterwards, and he seemed good spirited still about it. Uh, they get three would They get bodied. Uh, I think LS has now tweet of the year candidate so far with the Will Smith slapping the shit out of uh, Renekton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was that was a pretty good one. Renekton in games one and two for Summit, and everyone's. Pretty clear favorite of MVP looked very, 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 very bad. Very bad. Um, warding in the wrong spot, pushing all the way. Uh, but but he wasn't alone. The, the team didn't look great as well. Uh, but might not be a team execution thing, might be a draft thing. Let's go. How, how did you all feel about that first series that we had in the LCS? Uh, I mean, it wasn't much of a series. Like I think that this is just what every team is going to do. They're going forward until the team shows that they can do something when Jace and, and Nar Jace are Nar. banned. And like, so they're even going with the Kennen band too. They're just like, he can't play any of his champions. I mean, if no team can, if, if C9 can't answer it at all and every team just gets away with banning top laners, like one, two, three. I mean, Look, yeah, C9 doesn't he, deserve he, to win. Here's the truth. People are going to shit on Summit. Why can no one else on this team carry this fucking team? When they have blue side and the bands are Nar, Jace, and Kennen. Why why is that? They they get the Zeri, right? Winsome did not have a great series either, but they get power picks on this 
on their blue side and they can't do shit with it. And the answer is to, to like the answer is obviously Summit's champion pool is extremely limited right now for whatever reason, or he is forcing the team to play these champions because people like to blame the coaches, but you can't just make a player pick a pick unless you want to tilt them off the face of the earth. So there, Summit has agency in the picks that he is making for sure. Uh, perhaps too much agency, you might say. Um, but to blame the draft on the coaches, I think is kind of weird when you you are ostensibly getting power picks on the blue side and are utterly incapable of doing anything with them like that's you should not be able to ban three top laners on the red side and do well in the draft that's not a that's not they shouldn't be able to happen right now yeah i mean it's I, mean, I think game one is Summit's fault for sure. Like he's just dying to like everything. It's like, come on, man. Like you're playing. Like you've got to be tilted able to... out of his fucking mind, dude. I, I think this roster from, from, is just from, done. From, from just like he's tilted out of his mind from what? Just the bands? No, from whatever is happening within C9. There must be something weird going on because this this is not normal. Like everything about this series is highly ab abnormal. Uh... Yeah, I mean, even week eight, like they look the same. Uh, yes, uh, I know. It's there is there is something going critically wrong that we cannot see from the outside right now because it's the only thing that explains the combination of very bad teamwork, weird ass picks, like th the this level of falling off a cliff hints that there is something like deeply broken within this team uh, from a mentality standpoint. Oh. And I just don't think there's going to be coming back from that. It looks like Summit doesn't give a fuck about being here. And his teammates can't even play around him properly either. Like, you can blame Summit for a lot of these deaths. They were stupid. But at the same time, like, his team is doing stupid things at a macro level. They know he doesn't have TP in the third game of the series. And they're trying to make cross-map plays while somebody has TP at 14 and a half minutes of the game. All somebody has to do is just TP behind the wave while they're trying to dive the bot turret. And then they just get crushed. It's like, you know Summit can't be there. You know it's after 14 minutes into the game, so you have Unleashed Teleport now. Like, they just are playing bad independently of Summit. Summit had nothing to do with that play. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're... they're I think it's weird. Also, like, Blabber just doesn't... I mean, he was... I mean, I think... He wasn't he covering for, for Summit either. He wasn't covering for Summit. Half the, was, was Summit stupidly press, pushing lane when he didn't have cover? Sure. But also, yeah. Blabber wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really weird, and the, the drafts don't really make much sense because I mean, the thing that's so strange to me is like it seems like they were all on the same page, you know. Like Fudge was was you know uh, always in LS's corner with pretty much everything. Like Renekton's a bad champion. Like fucking biscuits are terrible. Like, and then you just see that the team is drafting Renekton. It's like wait, Max Waldo. Like something is it's it's really weird for me because i've like interacted with like i've had discussions on draft with ls and max waldo in the same call like during worlds and it seems like they agree on everything or it seems like they used to agree on everything so how does it then go to like this is like what... summit dude it has to be summit right it has to yeah, be so, summit so insisting just on these drafts. is fucking good so someone's like oh give me renekton yes that I, so, what, what other explanation is there unless that, max waldo yeah. has completely changed his mind I mean, exactly. I mentioned I mentioned this on on Summoning Insight as well. But one of the big issues that I see here is that Summit is older than Max Waldo, which is a massive issue in Korean culture that the head coach should be younger than the top laner. So, you know, in in cultures that have very strict age hierarchies, I don't think Summit's ever going to respect Max Waldo. Frankly, like it, 
Yeah. He's he, maybe like, well, why, why would he like, seriously, why would he, he's, he's several years younger than summit is summit has been a decorated top lane player. Max Waldo has never been a professional player. Um, he's not old enough to provide maybe the necessary, like team personality support or interference. Um, he, and he, Honestly, Max Waldo, even if he was capable of doing that, he doesn't even speak the language of three of the players on his team. So how is he going to do that? I, I mean, I wonder, I feel like this is actually like a huge thing where like a coach needs to bring the team together. When the team starts having like, starts falling apart like this, I feel like you he's, just have Max to be like- Max is 21 years old, dude. He's not going to do that. Like I, I, like, I hate to be a dick about it, but he just doesn't have the life experience to be the emotional manager of, of a roster. I will say and he, he wasn't so seem, to be fair. He wasn't he supposed like to be the either. person that would do that. Right. He, yeah. He's also not the type of person who would do that, but, you know, beyond that, but he's a young guy and it's not a knock against him. He wasn't supposed to be the head coach of this team, but he has been thrust into a position that in terms of language, in terms of culture, um, he, he just was put up shit Creek without a paddle. Basically. I feel bad for him. Couple things. Uh, one, I, I did get to see Cloud9, actually both rosters when we were over at the studio before the series started, they were loose. Everyone was fine. Summit came up to me and said hi. That that doesn't normally happen. I'm like, hey, do you remember who I am? Okay. Uh, but he said <laughs> hi to me. So I, I felt like he was, like everyone was loose, Fudge. Yeah. Everyone was loose. He, I'm sure uh, except Winsome. Great, Winsome was nervous. Winsome yeah, was Winsome nervous. Winsome was walking <laughs> around by himself. Winsome has been playing bad. Like he's been he's nervous. been probably the worst player, but it's just like you kind of expect <laughs> him to be the worst player. So he's it's like, never it's played not. in front of a crowd before. There's another factor for you. Like Winsome's yeah. a young guy. He hasn't played on stage. He hasn't played in front of a crowd. The nerves are are, you know, you have to take that. Um I mean I'm sure Summit's happy dude. He's like inting his way back to Korea, man. He's going to be on like fucking Genji or or Damwon soon. Yeah, the uh <laughs> the energy <laughs> he's not going to spend the year. I, I feel like he's just going to stay. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know about that one either. Uh the energy at the stadium was electric that first day. It was it was very it was very very, very big. So I can see that affecting Winsome. Uh I had an interview with um, God, Berserker after imagine, the series. Like, I can't even imagine what the last two years were like for competitive play. Because like my whole career, I played in front of crowds. Like I never yep. played. It was LCS it from was home. Eerie. Like, like that's so weird to me. They yeah. they turned the audio off in the stadium. So like when normally for fans that have never been to uh, an in person event, they have the audio on for the fans, so you can feel the bass, you can feel you see the lights kind of happening and stuff. Like once they take the objective, but for since then, it's just been game on, light dims a little bit, silence. You can hear, like, there's white noise in the, in the headphones. To be clear, you're saying before the fans were back. Yes, before the fans were back, yes. So not there not was that, no that one you were in sitting studio. in, like, a silent arena with fans cheering. Like, they no, turned no, the no, sound no, no. on back. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, just yeah, to be clear. So <laughs> it changes the way that it feels on stage. Even even just being on stage was different. And then there's a whole level of here's the bass, here are the fans, and invade is coming. You can hear the fans go, oh, like people talk about that. Even though you can't fully decipher what they're saying or what's going on, you know something is going on. Uh, and that that kind oh, of environment know, you know, could definitely player, play a part there. Fans spoil everything. Like as a player, you just literally just learn so you get so but, much more information when fans are there. By the way, booths are illegal according to Riot, so we can't ever yeah. fix this problem, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I played I played a yeah. tournament. You can go back and find it in season two where we played 
in regionals. So it's like, this is like the tournament to go to Worlds in season two. And the announcers literally said, Nintendude is going for a gank top. <laughs> and then I literally just stopped pathing butt and I just passed top and counter <laughs> We just like win the whole fucking game. <laughs> and it's like, you're going to Worlds. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we did it. We did it, I'm going to Worlds. Like, it's so fucking troll. It's so fucking troll playing in front of like, by the way, in Korea, I, it's still, you know, just like Riot hasn't learned about GSL groups yet, uh, Riot has not learned about booths, even though they were literally in a Riot tournament, which was the LCK finals this last week. And yep. every pro player I have ever spoken to prefers to play in booths. I like playing. I like playing. You played in booths at MLG, Dom, if I remember. Yeah. Correctly. And uh, and in, uh, when I was in uh, OGN. Korea. Yeah, yeah and when I when I played in Korea, I played in booths. The so, most we've like gotten booths. in North America. They're, they're like is, comfortable, is too. Like. And you don't get to smell the BO from the fans. Like, you're just in your own little yeah, fucking zone. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a little air conditioning. Like, it just feels, it, it's more comfortable, you know, just having that separation. The the, the most like that we've gotten into in the North womb America's with the five other dudes. Yeah, going right? into the womb <laughs> with your teammates. The, with the, the 2000... <laughs> 16 yeah the 2016 finals right that was that was like the the shell in staples center that they gave yep. uh skt but no no fully enclosed booths that that prevent the sound from getting on in uh the other thing that berserker said in, in his post-game interview um was that they didn't they felt like they didn't have a problem with the draft which is why they ran it back in game two like they i did love seeing the exact same composition twice in a row and 100 thieves almost having the exact same composition twice in a row as if there would yep. be some sort of difference yeah uh yeah mm -hmm. it was the same comp for cloud nine and they they thought uh, according to berserker they thought they would just execute it better but uh that wasn't the case unfortunate i believe Surprise. uh so you yeah and then the last thing here fun Degon stat of the week we got to see Renekton twice from Summit uh, in that playoff series. How many games of Renekton did Summit play in the 2022 spring split? I don't know. Probably like, probably like 85. I mean, this guy like literally finds like two champions and plays them the whole split. So I'm going to guess no. like 73 I don't games. think so. Just in spring? Just in spring. Because 73 games wasn't in here spring. Playing. Two? Thank you, Dom. Uh, answer there, zero. He played zero, zero I, games. I, I knew it was very low. Yeah. yeah, it was very. Uh, Wait, and what, 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 what season was this? Was this one reacted? This meta? season, this year, this, this year. season. Oh, this, this season, season, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, he played zero. But like, yeah, I, I thought you. Meant, I was gonna say it was almost 21. no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone with something that big, Dom. Where like, there's no way you could know that. That would have been. I would have given you a range oh. if it was like in. Oh no, I thought you were talking about when it was meta and LCK. I thought you said 2021. How many did he oh, play no, in no, 2021? No. I would assume like, that he played a lot. Six. Summit, it wasn't. It wasn't that much. That was when it was pretty it was, meta. I guess it fell three, off at a point. Six, seven, oh, okay, thirteen. Let's just see. He 13. has thirty games of Renekton all time. Okay, he had thirteen in thirteen in twenty. Oh, he had three, and then in summer he had seven, and then preseason he had three. Okay, yeah, interesting. You know what? You know what I love about this is like, <laughs> no, I love is the wrong word. <laughs> I was like, what do excuse you mean? I, 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 excuse me for abusing language. Um, I, I was very curious, like, because he's a known Aatrox player, and Aatrox is actually his most played champ of all time. And, like, he doesn't play the Aatrox into Ord when he's given last pick. That was very confusing to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think just everyone breathed a sigh of relief because it wasn't Renekton. <laughs> <laughs> 
like there. I mean, they're wait, like, remember uh -oh. they're playing on twelve point six. This is a nerf Trindamir too. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that feels weird. That feels weird for uh, Cloud Nine. I know we've made this mostly focused about Cloud Nine, not hundred thieves, but it's because I mean, hundred thieves played super well. It, it was nice yeah. to see Abadage returning to form. Closer and someday have been good all season. It's been the rest of the team that's been crap. Uh, so seems like everybody's going in guns blazing right now. I'm excited to yeah. see what they can do versus Team Liquid. They certainly can win, especially after watching Team Liquid's form. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for uh, me, it's just like I want to see 100 Thieves get better at the stuff that they're bad at. That's what I've always been saying, you know? I've always I say been that on every team. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like no, some I teams, like, like, they have such glaring weaknesses that they've never been able to actually yes. get past and it's like this is just pretty much the same like i looked at this these games and i looked at it kind of the same way that they ended up beating tl in the finals where it's like oh they just won by doing what yep. they're good at yep like and if if closer starts snowballing on the lease in and you know they they're gonna roll like they're good at taking those early game advantages it's when they're, you they're even in or even just slightly ahead in the mid game where they have to make macro decisions that they tend to fall apart yeah that's yeah. why I wish that MSI wasn't just the best team from every region, because I would love to see like, how, how is it going to look when you have a player like, or you have a team like hundred thieves against like a third rate or a fourth rate Korean or Chinese team. Like I, that's like what I want to see, because I feel like those teams in other regions actually have like the decent players. Like for example, like a DRX has the players, I think to, to match up with hundred thieves. So I don't think they're just going to get steamrolled in the early game the same way. So how does Hunter Thieves then play when the enemy team is like making relatively intelligent decisions around the map? I feel like that's and what they've it, always been bad at. And who knows? Maybe they just win LCS again because no one can deal with their early game. And Closer is like still one of the best players in um, in LCS, in my opinion. So I don't know. We have to see. And this would have been the perfect year for it, given the fact that some of the teams can't make it. You could have just been like, hey, if you can make it some of the bigger regions, let's send two teams. But uh <laughs> Oh, well. All right. And so uh, a, a pretty big snoozer of the series. There are Cloud9 and Hunter Thieves. But on the opposite end, TL and EG. It, it, it started with the TL win. That felt like EG just waited to get steamrolled. And eventually they did. They didn't pull the trigger or do anything and just lost. But then Evil Geniuses put up one hell of a fight. And it was a, a very, very fun series. And it was highlighted by a ton of, and Bjergsen even called out to this, a ton of early ways that evil geniuses found ways to get advantages it, with invades with fights early it was it was fun it was a very fun series it was good league of legends here in north america for uh, uh a little bit i think i think eg knew that they weren't gonna win a straight up <laughs> best of five <laughs> and <laughs> which is fair i mean there's nothing wrong with that like Sure. Why, why try and be the, the worst team playing conventionally? And so they did things that, look, I, I think people they will gave themselves focus. an impossible draft. So, so then look, they had to play five, better. Look, look, game <laughs> okay. five was, was a mistake. However, I think <laughs> okay. a lot of the games of this series were actually really cool, like uh, set plays that gave EG advantages that they could snowball. The game five was a, disappointing throw but it doesn't erase the fact that i think a lot of the set plays were really cool and were effective at keeping evil geniuses in this series the, the game that sticks out to me that i feel like eg will look back on and be like damn was game the five? 
no game three. Well, yeah game three <laughs> it was game three for me <laughs> yes game five two you're right sorry <laughs> what if we didn't pick redacted in italy <laughs> i mean at least it's better now than it was because italy was just buffed, italy did like, get buffed yeah so that is she a, heals that more now. Silver lining. <laughs> uh it, it, it was the game three because it felt like evil geniuses had control of the game they had the nocturne rolling and i think if i remember correctly they took one fight around river that was a team fight uh, in the river uh by drake that was a team fight where it's like isn't that not how you want to play this this uh oh you mean team you fighting when you don't have any of your ultimates when you're playing like nocturne leona yeah that's that's generally not good <laughs> normally your ultimate abilities are crucial when you're playing champions like nocturne so i mean go. for me it's just like they just have no discipline or something like i don't understand why they have to fight like they didn't even make TL really work for it because it looked like TL was actually like starting to like tr like Panic. choke a little bit in the series. Like they're actually having a bad go of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just threw the entire game because they had to fight. I don't know. They wanted to see if Nocturne was good without his ultimate and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and now Vulcan knows. Uh, yeah, Vulcan's already talked about it in interviews before. I, mean, he's, I like, he's the aggressive I like one this composition, it. too, from EG. Like, by using yeah. Nocturnal, you can disguise the, the cannon flank. Like, if you're mm -hmm. playing... It's not even that hard to play, guys. This is, like... It's not hard for a professional team to play this composition. No, it's, it's easier than comps. <laughs> it's really fucking easy. <laughs> it's like... Press the on. rise could, 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 you know, the rise could get people into position. You can't see the rise ult either. Like this, this is like, this is like training wheels cop for professional players. Now, obviously the problem is that you're gated by long ult cooldowns, which means that good teams will pick you apart during that time. But Team Liquid wasn't doing that. So it was just operator error on like a very, very easy to execute composition. Yeah. And it wasn't like their ultimates were even that long because Inspired was so far ahead and he was running ultimate hunter on the nocturne so like he was literally he had like a normal ult cooldown he probably had there was probably a point where he had a lower ult cooldown than even jarvin in this game so to me it was just like i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't understand how they were taking that fight where like vulcan's eing in he like baked his whole into team into the fight and then you just see him like sitting in the brush with his ultimate cooling for like 10 seconds and as soon as it's up he just like throws it in when his whole team is dead and just backs off and it's like damn bro like please man Please just fight with your ultimates. Like you guys are, are are actually good. Like your team is actually good mechanically. Just stop griefing for no reason. You guys did all the hard stuff. The hard stuff is getting the advantage with the Nocturne. The hard stuff is not just waiting. Like when Nocturne gets to that point, that's when Nocturne is fucking unleashed. Like he's just going to hit level 11. He has a stride breaker. He has CDR boots. He's going to end up going a black cleaver most likely afterwards. This doctor is going to have like 40 second ult cooldowns. It is going to be living hell for the enemy team to play. You just let yourself and, get to that point. And there's a low mobility AD carry on the other team. So yep. even better if you're playing an a against an Ash, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you can even just kill the graves. Like you can kill anyone when you're this strong. So. Uh, I just I just went back and rewatched it. 13 minutes and 20 uh, seconds for so those of you. Yeah, it's just it's a cry. It's a war crime. Oh, you see, it, you see just, Vulcan just sitting in the bush while his ult's cooling down. Really? Can you, <laughs> commit, can you commit war crimes against yourself, Dom? Yeah. I think so. I think so. I mean, I saw C9 do it three games in a row, so I would, <laughs> I would assume that EG can do the same. Thirteen twenty-eight. There it is. It just sits, and that's that. The engage is thirteen twenty, and it's like, oh no. Yeah. Just and then watch after Vulcan that, it's the, after the engage when his whole team's committed. Just watch him sit in that brush with his ultimate, and then watch how he fires it off at the end. That's so funny. Perfect.
He was an actual passive observer to the carnage. Oh, I'm watching this. This is great. <laughs> I hit two. I hit two. I just like yeah. the ult at the end. Like it's just so yeah. comical. Oh, but I, I that, that to me was the moment where I was like, oh damn! Like it was really cool to see Evil Geniuses be aggressive to punch up, especially after a very sleepy game one. Um, and and game four was uh, Danny unleashed, JoJo unleashed. That that felt really cool. But you know that that that's the one that'll stick with me and probably stick with the team as like. Yeah, I shouldn't have do that. I should do that next game. You, you know, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, their their level ones were pretty good in the series. I thought that they actually got an advantage level one a couple times, which was interesting. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I like that they were like they didn't just roll over and die. They played the games out, but yeah, it could have been better for sure. Yeah, you know, Golden Guardians tweets out, you know, time for revenge, blah blah blah, against like C nine. FlyQuest tweet out uh, the Key and Peel meme of him like sweating like us watching teal and Nietzsche go back and forth i thought that was really funny with with FlyQuest, the higher seed looking like they've got the much tougher task who knows cloud nine maybe they find their form but uh eg versus TL was uh, a great series uh any closing thoughts here on the lcs before we uh close it up today uh well we should do predictions the the interesting prediction is whether cloud nine is mental boom enough to lose to golden guardians that's a tough I don't one think so. i don't think i don't so. think so. i think they'll beat golden guardians i believe okay. <laughs> yeah. i'm not look i saw those games so i'm not super convinced <laughs> right, there, there is a non-zero chance that golden guardians wins the series i think it's probably i think it's i would still predict cloud nine but I am nervous. Like, line it up. Like, Ole over Winsome. Winsome looks bad. Let's say uh, Summit is still at the same form. That's not good against Licorice, who is not the I worst. I mean, he has, he has on-stage but... playoff experience. He's not he, like yep. He hasn't been great, but he's also not the worst top laner in the league, right? And if Summit's yep. going to play that way, uh, I think... I Look, I think a Blaze Olive has been pretty decent. Um overall this season um i think pride stalker has been pretty good i i, I don't think it's a zero percent chance that gold guardians win i think they have a 35 percent chance i can't believe we're having this conversation I, look i can't I'll, believe i'm sorry i just had inception 35 <laughs> i think 35 is too high for me at okay. least 35 30 you're gonna get 30 I just think the Cloud9 is going to, like, like I man, if they fucking lose, holy shit, that is like a next-level meltdown. I think like, I just watched, already watched the next-level meltdown. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, 100 Thieves are actually, like, not complete shit. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give it, like, 80-20 Cloud9, I believe. Um, I, I think the Golden Guardians' chances are much higher than that. I think, I think Cloud9 is just rotting from within right now. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's 25%. So I think Cloud9 wins one out of four. Right in the middle, Degon. Staying true yep. to form. That's, <laughs> that that's Degon for is you. Me. Uh, I'm looking up the uh, 2020 Cloud9 meltdown, right? Uh, they lost their first series to FlyQuest. Uh, and then they won their next series against EG and then lost in uh, round three to TSM to miss out going to Worlds. So... Just a comparison to last time we've seen n none of these. Well, was it Blabber? Yeah, I guess Blabber was on this roster. But 
Um, Blyber's the only one with the experience there. I guess Ven's still in the house and still helping the team out. But uh, the same, same team by name have that meltdown in the past. Uh, and then FlyQuest EG. This is a EG pick, yeah? Yeah. Yep. Okay. There it is. All right. We've gone through the major, the big leagues that we've been able to watch. That was a lot of league, dude. And it was... It was most of it was enjoyable, except the LNG, like watching all a cloud nine was not enjoyable either. But yeah, that yeah. was that was a spectacle, though. I, I will at least give that. That was a spectacle. I mean, I would I say like, LNG is a spectacle for people that follow LPL, too. <laughs> like the do and B team failing, do and B Tarzan. Like, that's pretty fucking crazy. Going yeah. from top four to top seven, eight when you're playing with do and B Tarzan, like all like I want is fucking finally out of prison, too. Good. Yeah, so yeah. Ale was also quite good at Worlds last year, so yep. this level of performance was not anticipated. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, it's time for everyone's favorite portion of the show. It's God or Dog time. Uh, lots of lots of good choices wow, here. So many choices. Lots of good choices here. Can it be anybody but Summit? I I feel I'm like if you're it, Summit. Yeah, if you if you if you're coming in off of an MVP regular split and you're getting three target bans from the enemy team well they're on red side and you're on blue side that's i mean i mean if you're the fucking it, mvp you better be able to play more than two champions or three champions like that's isn't that going to be so weird are they I mean, you can make the same like... claim about vto but he actually did okay in that series it wasn't yeah. like he was yeah. straight griefing no mm -hmm. uh i mean summit was like running it <laughs> like he was fucking <laughs> sprinting it <laughs> I, I i feel like it's very weird we had to vote for mvp it's going to go to summit and like and he deserves he it. He had performances like that. He deserves yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I I watched Aaron Rodgers win the MVP of the NFL and then just into the conference championship against the Niners. That's so true. Mm -hmm. lost I to just... fucking Garoppolo. That is a that is a feat. <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't score any points. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, it was it wasn't even the conference. It was the it was the second was the, round yeah. of the playoffs. Yeah. It was the Rams and the the Niners were in the conference championship. Yeah, so he didn't even get that far. It does happen. Uh, it does happen. All right. Well, then let's go with our gods. Then uh, let's start with you, Monty. Who do you got for God of the Week? Oh, who do I have for? for I feel God like of I have week? two of who you would pick. Uh, I don't think it would take anybody necessarily. I mean, I think LCK. Gumiyushi probably was the best player. Gumiyushi or Owner. Owner had a very strong last couple of games, but Gumiyushi, I think, was more consistent throughout the entire series. Uh, he was also the only one not ill, apparently. So that was a good buff for him, <laughs> I suppose. Um, who else would I pick, maybe? Well, we can go with Guma. Oh. Damn. Yeah, that was one of the two that I thought you'd have. That was the one I was going to pick, but uh, I got another one. I'll pick the other one that I thought you were going to pick. Uh, Dom, who you got? Uh, I'll go with I'll go with Larson. I think Larson actually... That would be one of my other ones, yeah. That was the he, other one. Fuck. He, he, he conquered some fucking demons. You know, like, he was actually good on a champion that doesn't suit his playstyle, not a control mage. He played a non-control mage really fucking well three games to battle back from zero two against the guy that like has been countering him like his life counter humanoid is just his his life counter in general so i thought that was he also played the victor good. relatively well in the games that they lost he wasn't the primary issue um 
was okay. Yeah, those those were the two that I had. If I have to go for a third, then maybe I'm stuck between two junglers. It's either Santorin because of his games on Viego was a ton of fun to watch here in a uh, you know in a surprisingly tough battle against EG or uh, Yankos in um, against Misfits. He took over those games and it was a lot of fun to watch him just dictate the flow of the game and and just kind of run through the squad. Yes, it could have also yeah. been broken. I think blade, I think Yankos yeah. is a very good selection for this week as well. Yeah. Uh and then we got a collective dog. <laughs> Sorry, something. <laughs> he, he so he was so terrible. He got the I, I could go with triple Tarzan. dog. I could what? give I could give Tarzan dog of, <laughs> of this That's week. True. I mean bro Tarzan, you're one of the best jugglers in the world. I really have to watch you play fucking chem tank Xin Zhao. Nerf to Xin Zhao, the chem tank. You're better than this. <laughs> I expected more. All right. It'll just do for a double dog for now, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, uh, what y'all. Is he, my question then is, like, what the fuck does he have to do to even win a triple dog? Like, that's... What what could what more could he do? Than I don't know. <laughs> if he ran it down super hard on the Trinomir game, that's a triple okay. dog. Okay. okay. So the, the He's Trinomir run game. It down all three games. <laughs> the Trinomir game saved him. Yep. Uh all right. Y'all, thank you so much for watching. Uh in the comments this week. Lots of comments about what was my the big you didn't even do a guest comment. What's the guest what's the guest comment? The, the guest comments were, they weren't questions, though. They were just more commenting on me looking like The Rock, me looking like Rich Brian, which we went through a lesson off camera about who Rich Brian was there for Monty. And the mic being really big. Dom looking swole was one of them, I believe. Uh, nice I, from I what's know. working out? Yeah. No. Yeah. They, no. They, <laughs> literally no, just not. getting fatter. Like, <laughs> but no, I have dude. noticed that as I age, for some reason, my face gets less fat and then my, my body actually retains the weight. So it's like easier for me to put on muscle now. I guess metabolism things. Like when I got, like, if I used to get fat, I would just like look like my head would become a, a, a circle, it would become a basketball, you know? But now my body actually gains the weight. So. Oh, uh, one of them was talking about uh, Asian games. Let's say uh, someone said that they thought they heard lots of conditions there, that it was only two players per team. So given that, uh, who would you go with for Korea for the LCK? If you can only pick two players per team and not even LCK, it's Korea, right? So they threw out a hypothetical that like rookie wouldn't be interested because he lives in China Look, now and getting the passport would be difficult. But it w the why would his passport be difficult for what? I don't know. Maybe travel. I, I don't remember fully. What, let me see if I can find the comment there. But so. um, maybe uh, I do. There's there's two different answers here, because if I am trying to represent Korea and do the best thing for Korea's domestic league, as in making sure that those people don't go to military service, I'm going to do something potentially different than what I would do if I am legitimately just trying to select the best team. Korean players. Because if rookie has residency in China, then theoretically, he just like green card holders in the US, I would assume the same rule applies where he's not going to have to go do military service, in which case... The, the most good you could do is to save Faker from military service because he is incredibly important to the popularity of LCK as a league and keeping him playing is the most important thing for the league. Um, hands down, like him going to military service is bad. Now, 
There's also the possibility that if he does go to military service, here's a lesson in esports history for you guys who don't know. In StarCraft Brood War, when Boxer had to go to military service, the Korean Air Force created an esports team so he could play during his military service called Air Force <laughs> Ace. Holy now, shit. That's going through length. Does that happen again? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that would happen again. Um, but... It, there is some level of precedent when a a, le a star that is as important to esports as Faker, and like this is why the Korean military service thing is so ridiculous, in my opinion, is because he should be able to play out his career as should any athlete and do the service later. It doesn't matter if he's thirty five, guys. Like his importance to Korean economics, the amount of money and fame he get, brings to Korea on a global level is worth the trade off, right? He can do the service later, but we're neither here nor there. We don't get to make that decision. Uh, so if I'm going to say what is, there isn't a huge difference, I think, between Faker and Rookie at the present time. Faker's having a very good season. Even if I would probably pick Rookie, I, I think it's more valuable to have Faker in the lineup. So I would probably, if I was pressed, I would probably, it's tough. I can only have two players from one team. Yeah. Unlike Monty, because I don't want angry uh, Korean fans coming after me. Uh, I actually am for the, uh, you know, mandatory military service. I'm actually pro the draft in America as well. So I, I just so I, everyone knows. Here's, I, here's, I here's, here's my here's my opinion. I actually think that all Americans. <laughs> and I love BTS. <laughs> don't kill I actually think all Americans should have to do two years of mandatory military or civil service. I think that would actually be incredible for this country. I would highly support that initiative um, for people who are approximately college age. I think it'd be great. So yeah. I actually think we now, should do more now, that. Now that I'm this age, I'm for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with that. That is very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, 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 it's not a negative thing. I just think they should be able to postpone the military service. Um, so that is to say, uh, I think I would probably take Faker in Korea if I had to from T1. I mean, I, like, wouldn't you want to strategic? Because there's going to be more Asian games, right? So, like, wouldn't you want to take people that are at the age where, like, they would actually have to do the military sure. service? So like you wouldn't right. want like like a showmaker over a faker just because faker is right. like close to because it's like what like yes. 27 28 and carry is I don't young. I don't know the age of all the like support players right now within mm -hmm. the LCK cuz like you could make an argument potentially for Barrel um if he's yeah. older. Yeah. That's that's what I that's what I was thinking cuz Barrel is what like isn't he like I think I would take Faker Canyon Deft maybe Deft it's hard to ruler is probably older though too and he's yeah. like I, I might take like i might take ruler and barrel and then yeah, ruler barrel jungle Barrel's like, 24. huh would i take jungle what about peanut isn't peanut peanut's gotta be peanut's Death is 25 barrel's 24. yeah, yeah. so i'll take, so take Death canyon and will be able to get into the next one right so i would go like peanut yeah but then you're but here dom the, the, then the your strategy is, so bad is you're gonna lose the, yeah the, the strategy is Peanut is not good in playoffs or like high pressure situations. He wasn't even <laughs> good in these playoffs. So like, the, the problem, Dom, <laughs> I don't is care like, about losing Peanut. You have to. So here's the, here's the thing, Dom. You have to make a team that is old enough but still good enough to beat China because it the only way you skip military is if you get a gold medal. You have to yeah, win. Sure. So do you really want Peanut? 
Is he gonna sabotage it for everybody else? I don't yeah, know. Maybe Canyon can just carry the fucking squad. <laughs> maybe can <laughs> maybe you just go Canyon barrel and then you uh, yeah, and then you can just fill the squad with whoever and they'll probably just like I feel like you you run back the the canyon barrel established synergy from the past. What and top laner do you go with Keen? That that's the problem. I think you go with Keen. Um, yeah, I think you probably go with Keen. Interesting. What do you think about what they're proposing right now? What Dune B1 uh, said today, which what they're proposing to do is they're going to do four matches a week per team for LPL, and they're going to do the whole season in one month of LPL. For what? That's, that's what Dune B says is happening. What? So all of LPL, so because right now they play like one or two matches a week, and they do it over like nine weeks, which are which are already crammed. Like there's it's, no. It's days already off. seven days a week of best of two best of three. Today. Seven days a week, and then there's there's like triple uh, games. There's triple best of threes on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But what they're gonna do? What they're gonna make it is apparently four games a week per team. So it'd be like every single day, or uh, three threes. to four best of threes, and they're gonna get it all done in a month. You're gonna lose your voice. You have to be careful. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna do all that. I already don't do all of LPL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I no. I'm just saying for you, for your sake. Like I, when I was in Korea and I was casting two best of threes a day, five days a mm -hmm. week, and I was talking the entire time. I I would basically have to not talk the other two days because I would lose my voice. So I would pray for you if you had to do four best of threes a day every day, seven days. But a uh, day. but like the thing is, I, just, I, I, I could, you would actually just permanently damage your vocal cords. I don't know. Uh, maybe like the years of crack have really just helped my. Like, I think that now, but this is there. Trust it is. me, this is entirely different. <laughs> you think I, that I, now, was, but the years of crack that Monty's done, like you know, yeah, that, that would have reinforced his 16, voice. He's still 17 lost. Seventeen hour streams, and like for some reason, it just it's fine as long as I don't like listen to too much free cast. There's something. There's some effect when free cast where I just start screaming at the top of my lungs. I just lose my mind. So as long as I'm not just watching too many free casts with the audio on. I should be okay. I hear Freak is going to cast LPL next. Slip. I'm dead. I will die. <laughs> Man, poor Davide. Brings it all on himself, though. All right. Nobody, nobody mind controls him and forces him to make tweets at Dom. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, look, all least, right. Look, if he can just lie about my career and just say I was one of the worst junglers within my time in, in LCS, where he literally said he thought that I was the best and I have it on camera, I can at least factually criticize him when he is not casting well this split. Like, that has to be a fair trade off, right? I mean, it's actually not a fair trade off. I'm fucking scared for my fucking life saying this shit. I'm going to get banned again. But I already have to live view mainly everything anyway, so hopefully I can get away with it. You know, like I'm already live viewing six out of the Wait, eight. What weeks, do they have so. to ban you from anymore? Just super weeks. <laughs> All I'm saying is like, if I get banned, if if I get if I take another riot ban, we are going the fucking money route. You're gonna see some betting sponsors, anything terrible that will sponsor me, alcohol, illegal substances, a heroin sponsor, maybe. Like I will just be going all out in making money. We are getting the fucking bag and we are dipping out of this scene. That's what's happening. <laughs> the Dom OnlyFans is going to come up where he just, yep. you know, fucks body pillows in the shape of all the teams. It's going to be bad. Yep. It's going to be yep. good. It's just going to be We're me, bad. like, unfiltered, uncensored, <laughs> responding to Freaks casts. That, that'll be my OnlyFans. It'll just be me freaking out, like, over and over, <laughs> and over again. <laughs> 
<laughs> see, this, this, this is, see, this is why Riot doesn't. They don't understand. Like, this is why you, this is why you keep your enemies close because otherwise, you know, it's, it's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> all right, I'm getting you, us. You out don't here. you don't give people nothing to lose. You don't give people. <laughs> nothing to lose. That's a bad strategy. <laughs> all right, y'all. You, you all at home have nothing to lose by leaving more comments, more questions for next week, please. And subscribing. Uh, and subscribing. <laughs> Uh, make sure to do that. Write more things about Monty this week. There weren't that many comments about Monty before. It was like always agreeing with Monty, and then you had a couple of like people uh, uh, liking your look as well. I think in like weeks one and two when we first I did. What my black T-shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. I go through it, so I, I saw it. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, leave us some comments about what you want us to chat about next week as we break down the LCS. Uh, not LCK, LEC and LPL playoffs. Maybe we get some news about how things are going with the Asian games and how that whole roster is getting constructed. And then, uh, of course, uh, always ask at the end of the day, where can people catch you this week, uh, Monty? Summoning insight, always a, always a good bet. There you go. There you That's go. It. <laughs> it's the only place you'll ever see him. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of being in front of cameras. I just appear every once in every once in a while now. You know. <laughs> How about I'm you? I'm pretty Dom? tired too, to be honest. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> I spend I spend my fucking whole life on camera these days. But uh... well, aren't you off because there's the break? Uh, or is the break over? Or the break was before? Yeah, you got a couple of days off, don't you? Yeah. Until Friday. Yeah, but I mean, it's like I'm on camera all those days anyway, because I do space check and then I do the show with Thorin. So it's like I, that's, that's only an hour as opposed to like seven hours. So yeah, true. It's but then I'm also day. recording content for my YouTube channel sometimes. So it's like and then I have to like record like advertising. So, you know, I normally I get enough camera time. I'll be I'll be fine. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. You can catch my interview with Berserker over on my YouTube channel over at Degon Esports. And then this week, I think. This week, I'm working on a project in Atlanta, so I will be there until Sunday. What are you doing? I'll make posts about it. Can't talk about it yet. Very soon. Next episode, I'll talk about it. But He's going to be a Wild yet. Rift specialist. He's going to be Mr. Wild Rift. <laughs> Mr. Wild Rift. That's right. Wild Mr. Rift. The Wild Mr. Rift. The Wild Rift Season 1 North American Championship is in Mall of America at the end of the month. So, uh, Are you going to be there? That, that's going to be really fun. Uh, highly likely. That one's also in the works, but highly likely. Man, I would and not, not envy we'll traveling as much as you're traveling right now. I like it. I like it. It's fun. It's fun. As I fucking as... hate flying. It's just the airports are so annoying. And then airports now, like, give me an energy of like everyone here has a story behind them and they're going to go accomplish. Drinking one of at airports things. is actually the best. I don't know what you're talking I, about. I, People I are fucking well crazy. I... People are fucking crazy when you drink at airport because no one. Everybody knows you're never going to see that person again. So people just mm -hmm. say the most insane shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's I, I don't feel well when I drink. I mean, now, because like every time you travel, you wear the mask the whole time, right? When you're all like yeah. at the, when you're on the at plane. The airport. Yeah. yeah. At the airport, everything, right? So you wear the mask the whole time. And then by the end, like the back of my ears fucking hurt from that shit. Like that shit. <laughs> you have a lot annoying. of problems, Tom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I that. There's a reason why I only, <laughs> there's a reason why I only fucking travel every now and then. Twice a year. All right, y'all. Uh, thank you so much for watching. We will, if you guys have a solution, bigger masks for me and Dom's head because it also hurts the back of my ears, let us know in the comments below. We'll catch you guys next week for more jungle action here on Deserto.